So recently, I was hanging out with my main man, Andy Wood. I know that guy. He's never listened to fellow. Remember from the Predator mm-hmm. episode. Predator. And we were talking a little bit about horror movies. Yeah. And one of the things that he said is part of the reason why he doesn't like watching horror movies in general is it's not necessarily like just specifically like the violence and the gore. Mm-hmm. It's people having stuff inflicted on them that they didn't consent to. I see. Okay. Right? So he's like, you know, he's like, for example, when that chick gets hung up on that hook in, in Texas Chainsaw right. Massacre, she didn't want that. And I'm like, Obviously. okay, I understand. Consent right. is key, you know? Okay. But that also got me to kind of thinking a little bit about like maybe the ultimate horror defense. Like if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, oh shit, I'm in a horror movie, right? I do not consent to this. No, I'm thinking that, I'm thinking the total opposite. If okay. you're that chick and Leatherface has you picked up mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my God, you go, why don't you put me on that hook? Big boy. Yeah, exactly. And he'd well, be like, that, <gasps> well, that works in Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. So yeah, oh, it would have worked. There we go, man. Yeah, because that's what she does is basically seduces him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe you're, you realize you're in a Freddy dream and you're like, scratch my back, big fella. Well, how about it? <laughs> He'd be like, what, bitch? What, bitch? I'll scratch your back. <laughs> Welcome, Dead and Lovely <laughs> listeners, to a brand new installment of Dead and Lovely, the horror movie podcast that is known as the greatest in the multiverse. That is true. And beyond. Here with the host with the most, why it is I, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. You see how I use the subjective form, oh, right? You were right. You're I. I, <laughs> right. Yeah. I want to speak correctly. Checkmate. <laughs> Steve, let's knock some business out of the way because you're holding yourself a beer can and I want to find yeah. out what's inside of this and from whence it came. It's a it's a nitro cob stopper, peach cobbler ale. <laughs> the old cob stopper, uh-huh. huh? Stops a cob dead this in his brewery. This is brewed by Rheingeist Brewery. Uh, RDM came through town. The notorious RDM. Yeah, on on uh, Friday. On his and birthday. He brought us these and he told me the key... To a nitro beers, you give it you give it a little light shake, yeah, and you open it up and turn it directly into the glass. A hard pour, it's known as right straight down, and we we tested it. Totally works. Blew my mind. Yeah, I had no yeah. idea about that because it just seems like that is just a recipe yeah. for a sticky, awful mess and wasted beer. But and I mean, that's the reason why it's already open is because we didn't want to be sitting here recording a podcast yeah. and then have a beer just explode. <laughs> Please hold while I clean up the entire yeah. studio. <laughs> but yeah, fucking nailed it. And uh, now we're gonna try a peach I'm cobbler ale. About that. I've never had a peachy cobbler ale. I've had uh, that that son of a peach. Have you had that? Mm, yes, yeah. Oh, I've had that. that shit is awesome, man. That's a summertime sip for sure. It's smells very peachy yeah mm-hmm. mm, peachy keen i'm excited to try this thing out i am bummed out i didn't get to hang out with mean dean yeah. himself how's that beer taste is it good yes it's working for you it's got oh ooh. there's the pie there's there's like that cobbler element it starts to cob you a little yeah, bit at later, first huh? it's just like a little shock like maybe a slightly sour peach but yeah, then it like is. it washes over your tongue and it's like there's all that sort of flavor there you can really taste the cob in it. You can taste the cob. That's good because that's not overly sweet. I was kind of concerned, yeah. especially like, even like the color palette of the can uh, is like yellow and orange yeah. and pink. And I'm like thinking well, this would be a really sweet beer, you know? And this is, it's low alcohol. It's 4.4. Okay. So yeah, 12 IBUs. It's it's really just a 
tasty sipping beer. It really is. Yeah. Thanks so much to good old Mean Dean. Oh yeah, we're gonna himself. be trying some more of his beers. Yeah. Uh, he, he brought us like five different things. So fuck yeah, I can't wait to get into awesome. this. This is good though. This is pretty tasty. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna have to have a, a couple more sips of this thing to find mm-hmm. out what it's about. How's old Roger doing? Is he doing good? Yeah, he's it a was good his boy. He is a good boy. Did you give him some birthday spankings? <laughs> I should have. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, me and uh, Emily and I and and Salem all met him at crafty but crafty wasn't open Son of a bitch. which was actually positive for me because i've been trying not to drink beer and i was like let's go to postmodern where they got carb-free liquor it's the fucking best postmodern is, is so goddamn good fuck yeah man yeah dude i have had myself just a ludicrously busy week holy shit yeah i think that within the past week i've probably clocked in I'm going to say a minimum of close to 60 hours of studio time. Holy shit. (laughs) About 40 of those took place in three days. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. It has been absolutely ridiculous. Me and uh, my main man, Andy Wood, have been working on some top secret stuff that everybody will find out here pretty soon. But it's going to be really, 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 really fun. But yeah, dude, it has just been a 24-7 Are you guys starting a, a whiskey kitten uh, cover like band, a tribute band kind yeah. of thing. Is that it? I can't figure out their songs. Their songs are it's too hard. Tough. Yeah, I can't get them. Push so. your mom down some stairs. Uh, so, yeah, push your wife down. Push some your stairs. wife down some stairs. Those guys were hardcore they whiskey were. kitten. Uh-huh. Man. God, I wish they were still around. Need more whiskey kitten. I say. Miss those guys. Mm-hmm. Miss those guys. So yeah, we've been just working our damn dicks off lately. I'll tell you what. In the time that I've been home after these long days making rock and roll history, I have had time to watch. A oh, yeah? thing or two about a thing or two. Been putting your papers on that TV. That's what I've been doing. Now, for one, I saw the trailer for The Mandalorian, the new Star uh-huh. Wars series. Yeah? Did Are you, you see that? I haven't seen it. Dude, I read about it. I haven't seen it. It looks pretty fucking yeah, sick. That's that, cool. That Disney Channel, what's it? Disney Channel app, whatever. Disney Network. Yeah, I'm it's getting gonna that take for sure. Money, dude. Yeah, I'm getting it for sure. They are. They announced the Moon Knight show uh-huh. and the, the Ms. Marvel show, which... Fucking yes. Finally. Dude, I am extremely, extremely stoked about it. Yeah, they're going to make all of the money in the world. The yeah. Mandalorian series looks very sick. And I think like John Favreau is doing it. That's perfect. It's a recipe yeah. for success. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be really cool. I am really bummed out about this whole thing about uh, you know Marvel losing the rights to Spider-Man and stuff. Uh, I think people are overreacting to that. They're, they're still bargaining and dealing going on i they mean we'll still get another marvel they're gonna Spider-Man. have to get him back like you know that surely they had him written into this entire phase yeah know, and they're the using marvel their series. leverage which makes sense like they're taking a, a large financial risk and not getting as much as they think they deserve what they want is a 50 50 split of the revenue well i mean look at it this way dude like uh i think andy was telling me about this it was something like the um just the newest one, mm-hmm. Far From Home. Yeah. Like, that movie on its own, if I'm not mistaken, has made more money than all of the Sony Spider-Man movies combined. It made over a billion dollars. A billion fucking yeah. dollars. Yeah. So, it's like, if you pass the ball to Disney and then they get a touchdown, they kind of deserve a lot of credit. They do, because you can't do it. Yeah, That's just the having thing. the characters. I saw enough. some people arguing that, like, Marvel's being greedy. Sony could just make their own Spider Man movie. And it's like, yeah, they could. And it will make less money. Yeah. And probably not invite a fan base back to see another one. Mm-hmm. Like, people that 
P, uh, Venom made $700 million. First off, cost $200 million. $500 million is a lot of money. Yeah. But that's not what they anticipated investing $200 million into it. Um, so, didn't do great, and nobody's clamoring for a sequel. No. Uh-uh. So, you're just shooting yourself in the foot, Sony. Take the 50-50 deal. Or sell him outright. Just sell it for a large amount of fucking money. It's Disney. They have all yes. the money. I mean, it's like, name your fucking price, dude. Yeah. And at least be considerate of like, the fans that are enjoying these movies and finally getting to see their characters on the screen and seeing Spider-Man interact with the Avengers. And I saw a lot of people oh. defending Sony, and I, I just disagree with it. I think no, the Sony, world's not going to be Sony place is, for is wrong here and yeah. needs to fucking step up and be like Ugh, we kind of suck at this yeah but, but they should st- don't I, I mean they should go for the 50 50 because they still retain all the the spider-man characters and they can keep making the into the spider-verse stuff which they did fucking Please perfectly do that they did right that no they shit. did so great uh-huh which i imagine is because the big wigs were like, eh, I won't pay attention to that. It's a cartoon. It's no big deal. But now a sequel, they'll probably be interfering a whole bunch. Like, could you make this character a, a, a rack vet? <laughs> we, uh, we're really big with Iraqi vets yeah, here at Sony. <laughs> if I was Sony, I would just be looking at this as like, what would you rather do? Go through all the trouble of trying to make an amazing Spider-Man movie that has nothing to do they with all the other Marvel characters. Exactly. Uh-huh. And maybe making, you know, a couple hundred million dollars off of it. Yeah. Or let Disney do it. Let them make a billion dollars. Yeah. You make $500 million and don't even have to make a phone call or lift a finger or write a single word of script. Do yeah. that. It's so much easier. Easy money, yeah. man. Easy money. Yeah. yeah, so hopefully they'll get their, their ducks in a row where that's concerned. They but- will, yeah. I think people overreacted, and it was probably um, a, a very calculated move on either Marvel or Sony's part to put that out there. Sure. To kind of put pressure on the other party to meet the terms. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, we all freaked out about it, of course, but... So whatever. It's, yeah. I don't think it's going to end up being a huge deal. And if it is, sucks. Tom Holland is probably the best Spider-Man. Without a doubt, had. in my opinion. Yeah. For sure, man. Yeah, hopefully I mean, and Sony out. could make a Tom Holland Spider-Man movie and just not mention the MCU. But they they can't do the writing the same way. Like they, If they could pull somebody over who knows how to write within the MCU well. And if they had to... Because the reason that the Marvel stuff works so much is because kevin feige is the the final word and he knows comics yeah he's like the keeper of the keys over there yes if you put somebody like Zack snyder in charge oh, which is what God, dc please, did no. you get all this fucking bullshit so like if sony smartly decided to put someone who actually loves comics in charge knows what they're doing and can guide a a large number of movies in the future into something interesting. That'd be great. Yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah, no kidding, man. No kidding. Yeah, do you check out that Mandalorian trailer? It looks very sick. Yeah. Uh, I also have been watching the newest season of Queer Eye that just dropped on the Netflix. Yeah. It's just a fucking People love that great show. Time. I need to sit down and watch it. I'm just not it's a just big fun. fan of that type of show. I'm not usually either, dude. Yeah. Like, that's literally the only show like that that I watch. This is how everybody gets into those shows. Yeah, that's true. I don't Every... watch any of them except for... Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And then they get into all the bullshit. Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing that did kind of strike me about this season that I think has been really great and really beneficial, I think, for the greater gay community uh-huh. is that 
like if you go back and watch the earlier seasons or especially like the first run that they did with the different cast you know that was in like the early 2000s oh, okay, yeah. for the straight guy mm-hmm. it's like they really tried to play up that you know they would hook up with some old farmer and try to turn right. his life around and he'd be like I've never hung around no sissy boys before right, yeah. I've never known a gay never known a gay yeah, yeah like this time around especially this season like there's not even any mention of that Good. It just kind of shows, you know, what you think of as normal, everyday, fucking middle of the country mm-hmm. people, and these guys come in and help them change their life and stuff like this, and they don't even bring up like, I never thought I'd like a gay person. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like they're just really normalizing everything. Yeah, it's perfect. Which it's I wonderful. think is is yeah. is great. Yeah, we need more of that. Yeah, Ellen did it. Yeah, oh, absolutely so. Right. And she's been, I mean, that started in 98 when she came out, when she had one of the most popular shows on television. Yeah. And it ruined that, like, popularity, but she kept fucking pressing forward and became the Ellen we know today, and everybody's like, I love Ellen. You want to talk about somebody with fucking balls of brass yeah. that drag the ground. Yeah, it's she's Ellen. awesome. Dude, I mean, like, her show was gigantic. Mm-hmm. And then just to be like, you know what? I'm gay. Uh, and well, and it's like I have I am hyper visible right now. I am in the spotlight. I'm going to use this as an opportunity yeah. to hopefully hopefully bring awareness and acceptance of everybody in my community. Yeah. So if you don't like it, deal with it. Yeah. I mean, balls of brass. Yeah. And then I she's, think, uh, Rosie O'Donnell came out too when she had when she had her talk show that was huge. Yeah, daytime it was huge. talk show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For a while there, that was ruining people's careers, but now it's like, okay, fine. who cares? Yeah. yeah. No big deal. Which Great. is awesome yeah thank god man we also happened to sit down last night and watch a star is born the new one with uh lady gaga lady gaga and that other fellow that's the voice of rocket raccoon Raccoon, yeah yeah what is his fucking name (laughs) bradley cooper bradley cooper he's known as i was testing you oh good well you passed the test test. notice how i recognize the names because i already knew yep Uh true exactly like that (laughs) holy shit it's phenomenal it is a incredibly well-made, mm-hmm. very easy to watch, very entertaining, gorgeous, and ultimately crushing movie. I don't really cry at movies like at all. Yeah. I was just like falling to fucking pieces at the end of this movie. Weeping it like is, a baby. It's amazing. And Lady Gaga is an awesome actress. She yeah. does great in this fucking movie. And so does Bradley Cooper. He's amazing. He's not really a surprise, Lady Gaga was an awesome actress. It's the same with like Madonna, where it was like, well, she she's putting on characters all the time, right? Or like, like pro wrestlers. It's like, well, no shit, they're good actors. Yeah, that's what yeah. they do. So yeah, not a surprise. I'm glad she. I'm glad she is, and I imagine she'll take the Madonna route and eventually marry Guy Ritchie. Oh wow! And make a bad movie. Ooh, does she start getting British later on? Yeah, it'll Ooh, be what awesome. Missed. <laughs> Hello, I'm Lady Gaga. <laughs> Aren't I? Aren't I? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, dude, it's it's fantastic. And apparently Bradley Cooper, I think, directed it, too. Did he? Yeah. I did not know that. Fuck. It was fantastic. Blew me away. What you been watching? You guys got together for that chat there the other night yes. while I was... Oh, man. That I think was, that's when I was This feasting. was a perfect theme night chat. I wish I could have made it. What was the theme, Steve? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> bad boys, bad boys. Yeah. First movie we watched was a Dave Bechet special, which means it's going to fucking reek. Love that Dave Bechet. Yeah, it was Samurai Cop. I don't know what Samurai Cop is. It's I think a, I love it, though. It's not a horror movie. 
it's it's a samurai movie, I guess, but it was well well within the range of movies we watch on Friday nights. Could you give me a, a, an idea of maybe what the movie okay, was about? Because yeah, yeah, I've never right. even heard of it. A bunch of white guys fight to decide who's the most samurai. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. Like, there are Asian characters in it, but they die before the final battle. And the final battle is between two white guys, and one of the white guys that... I mean, it's Samurai Cop. The other one is just a henchman to the main boss guy from He's earlier. Dead. Yeah. So it's just like, hmm, okay. All right. He's play- played by Robert Zdar. I oh, that guy's weird as shit. Yeah, with his gigantic jaw. Yeah. Yeah. He He's the, the bad guy, and the good guy looked like, I don't know, just some guy who was in a hair metal band and then they were like, nah, you should probably try acting. And then he was <laughs> like, okay. And then they were like, no, you should probably try grocery bagging i don't know <laughs> it, it was real rough <laughs> then we watched maniac cop which is directed by william lustig director of maniac, maniac. yeah he uh-huh. loves all things maniacal he i does. suppose he loves maniacal shit and it had like in the beginning it had some maniac type of like dirty uh city Grimey, feel yeah and it had like three kills real quick and we were like fuck yes like all right. it was one of those where like i even questioned i was like i think we, this might be the best movie we've watched so far but that was 15 minutes in then it got slow i've heard it kind of goes yeah. downhill it's got bruce bit. campbell in it oh really uh, yeah r- young bruce campbell it's got robert zadar in it so you guys not only had a cop theme you had a, a chins theme. we had a chins theme yeah <laughs> did you guys watch jay leno clip reels afterwards yep uh, yeah we, then we watched that jay leno pat morita movie where pat morita karate chops a taxi what i don't remember what it was called i love it already it was like the only movie jay leno was in hmm anyway so maniac, so, maniac cop just kind of fizzled it out fizzled out it, it lost like. a lot of its luster and it's it became more of a whodunit and it was just like i don't give a shit mm. i wanted to i wanted because like it was spoiler alert for a 39 year old movie Robert Zdar ends up being the maniac cop. No shit. And he's like fucking frightening and scary and shit. But it's like, why didn't you do that the whole movie? <laughs> Just have him be frightening and scary and shit the whole movie. Like Maniac. Yeah. Where the maniac is a goddamn maniac the whole time. He's a damn main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it lost a lot of its fun. But it was still, it was perfect for Friday night streaming chat bullshit. So who do you think was the most maniacal of these maniacs? I would say, in the end, out of the two, Maniac Cop versus Samurai Cop, who would I be most afraid of? Samurai Cop. He kills so many more people. (laughs) And he's a cop. He's a mass murderer. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, good. With Maniac Cop, they're like, no, fuck, we gotta stop this Maniac Cop who's killing civilians. With Samurai Cop, they're like, keep it up, Samurai Cop. Murder more people. You get a promotion. (laughs) Wow, that man. That guy's frightening. <laughs> that sounds pretty intense, The guy dude. who's murdering all the time and has the support of the city. <laughs> you don't want that. You no. don't want no part of that. No. What else have you been watching? So, I talked about Mindhunter Season 2, I think, last week. Yeah, you did. And, um... I still need to watch that shit, man. You do. I, I convinced Emily to watch Mindhunter, finally. So, we started at Season 1, and she's hooked. And I, I'll just tell you again, it's fucking great. Damn. Such a good show. What the hell am I doing with my life, Steve? It's just so good. If it'll help you at all, one of the main characters was in Creepshow 2. Does that help? It does help me a lot. Right. I love Creepshow 2. <laughs> okay. Well, damn, dude. I got to check that out. Yeah, you really do. I mean, Mindhunter, seriously, for anybody who's into true crime or profiling and stuff like that, it's based on true stories. 
and not like SVU where they change the names. Like they talk about Manson, Berkowitz, etc., oh, Edmund cool. Kemper, and they have people play these serial killers, and they are so fucking good. The guy who plays Manson in Mindhunter is the guy who plays Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh no shit! Yeah, they got the same guy. I still want to watch that. I saw yeah. it. I had a dream. I saw that movie last night. It just I haven't came seen back it either. to me. I would Word. love. Love to have had the time to catch it. Yeah, no shit, man. Hopefully, it'll be out soon on VOD. I'm sure. Yeah, I like to see it in theaters though. I want to yeah, give old Quentin nice. my monies. Yeah, that foot loving son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, I was gonna ask you about this too. In all of my road running madness and stuff, I've been doing this week working in the studio and stuff. I started listening to last podcast on the left series about the history of Mormonism. Oh yeah, people recommended that to me. To which I said, question mark question mark why would i i could tell you yeah that's the thing yeah i went into being a mormon and got out of it guess how i got there (laughs) (laughs) maybe learn the history and background yeah that's pretty much exactly it (laughs) so yeah i'm i i'm glad people are listening to it you need to hear it It I, i knew some of the rough details i didn't know a lot of the specifics but there's one thing i need everybody to go ahead and stop doing pretending mormons are crazier than other christians that's kind of the thing it's easy to just like really poke fun at yeah at them or or scientologists or whatever they wanted they wanted to marry men and women together in in groups at first, by the way, it wasn't it wasn't just men wearing marrying multiple wives. It was also women marrying multiple husbands. Oh, get some girl. Yeah, that's why they refer to it as polygamy and not polyandry or poly polygyny. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that actually wasn't even that strange of a concept in the late night or late eighteenth, early nineteenth century. Mm-hmm. In fact, you'll find that Mary Wollstonecraft was an advocate of open marriage. Oh. Uh, the the mother of Mary Shelley, her father wrote a book about a utopian community where all of the people in the community are married to each other and therefore can have sex with one another. Whoa, that's some wild stuff. Joseph Smith wasn't even the first to come up with it in upper upstate New York. There were already other sects of people who were living in these either like spiritual marriages yeah, yeah. or even people there the oh fuck what are they called the shakers are they yeah, the ones the that don't have sex at all i think that might like be they were looked at as crazily as polygamist the 1820s was not a time of god it was a time of science or of monogamy so hearing about a religion where they don't have sex was just as shocking as a religion where they have sex with a bunch of people that's interesting i didn't yeah. really know so about we that. look at it now and we go like oh the mormons were crazy well, no there were a ton of fucking crazy sects at that time because the only people who were religious were the crazy people the rational people were all like eh, whatever deists maybe mm-hmm. a lot of them just didn't even deal with religion at all it wasn't a big deal but the one that has the guy that has magic hair that makes him super strong that one i take seriously yeah right or yeah or the, <laughs> the prophet the, the prophet joseph smith marrying a 14 year old girl that's bad but muhammad marrying a 12 year old girl yeah A-okay. hall pass that's not weird okay yeah yeah, you're you're right. Honestly, it's like if you're gonna pick on them, be sure to pick on all. Yeah, pick of on them. everybody. Yeah, like, and I do. I pick on all of them. Yeah, like that was that was actually one thing I take away from the church that I, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. They don't want to be called Mormons anymore for some reason. They talk about that on the show. Yeah. It's stupid. 
It's just rebranding bullshit. They're trying to get people to not pay attention to the fact that they're not doing anything about the child sex abuse scandal that's going on within the Mormon church. Woo! Yeah. Not good. Yeah. So if you associate Mormons with that, that's not us. We're the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's what we call rebranding. Yes. Rebranding. Paris Hilton, sex tape leaked. No. I make shitty perfume and awful TV shows. Rebranding. Rebranding. I'm known for being an idiot. Rebranding. <laughs> I, I found that, though, a lot as a missionary, especially when we dealt with missionaries from other churches in Russia. Yeah. That uh, in Russia, especially, the Seventh-day Adventists and Jehovah's Witnesses are working their asses off trying to convert everybody. And they're both fucking insane. Yeah, yeah absolutely crazy so you want to never celebrate a birthday again come join our church yeah don't be crazy do you want to argue with people constantly about when's the right day to go to church Uh, seventh day adventists no Uh uh-huh yeah they're all insane but listen to it but also find out how insane all your other sects are i think that's a fair and balanced outlet they're all cults is yeah. what they are. They all are established in the same way, especially since the advent of charismatic preaching. Ooh, yeah. I mean, it all just became about the preacher. I mean, that's a thing in the South. You'll hear old ladies talking about my preacher does this and this and this. It's not even about Jesus. It's not about anything. It's about the preacher. The man delivering the message. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a cult of personality. Uh-huh. Right. Cult of personality. That song has a horrible guitar solo in it. Bottom line, <laughs> fight me. <laughs> I'm sticking to my guns. Do it. Well, Steve, the subject of our show today is none other than Mandy. Yeah. From 2018, uh-huh. starring one Nicolas Cage, who is right. known among... Hollywood and popular culture is being somewhat of a wild card of human beings. A wild card, yeah. He is he is the Charlie of the group, yeah. Yes, he's a wild... I'm a wild card, bitches. <laughs> That's still, dude. The, the, the game solves episodes. the gas crisis. Yeah. Fuck, one of my favorite Sunny episodes. So funny. And Nick is a wily man on and off screen. And I gotta tell you, I'm especially loving this like late in life Nick Cage. Like, yeah. I'm just gonna do whatever the fuck I want to. Because yeah, he can now, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, he he could a long time ago. He's had a lot of money for a long time, but like, yeah, now he's just like, yeah, I'll f- the roles where I can be the crazy person, yeah. mom and dad, Mandy. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I think he's just kind of like people expect me to be a nutcase, so I'm just gonna do. I really wish they'd throw him into the Fast and Furious oh franchise my God. somehow. They gotta get him in there. I think like it just makes sense. Really. I mean, apparently, I haven't watched Hobbs and Shaw, but I listened to the How Did This Get Made episode about it, and they throw so many references to other movies into it, like Transporter or not Transporter, Italian Job, and like really, yeah, I've heard it's actually really fun. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Oh, yeah, I haven't heard anything bad about it at all. Yeah. How Did This Get Made? They loved it completely. Nice. Um, but yeah, like they could easily because he was in Gone in sixty seconds. Yeah, which they is could awesome. Need, they could just bring that character in, dude. That would be such a cool yes. crossover. Fuck, yeah. that would be awesome. And Nicolas Cage has played so many memorable characters over the years. I think about High from Raising Arizona. That's one of my favorites. Oh my god, yeah. his character in that is just like Son, you know, you we, got a panty on you your head. You got a panty on your head. Her womb was a barren place where my seed could find no purchase. <laughs> no purchase. No purchase. God, that movie's so fucking good. That'd be a great wild card to do one day on the show. You know? Yeah. Uh, really, yeah. That uh, it, man, that's just that movie. 
It is a I, I, could say, I could even argue there's a horror element to it yeah. because of the biker who's after them and the nightmares he's having about uh-huh. him and stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's true. There's there's kind of a horror element there. And of course, he's played all kinds of other nonsensical crazy shit like Ghost Rider and <laughs> all kinds of other crazy things. But you know, Steve, before we start into our review of the Nicolas Cage masterpiece known as Mandy, mm-hmm. there's a question I have burning in my mind and in my loins. What would that be? Something I got to find the answer to. I've heard tell... That everyone has a Nicolas Cage character that matches their personality. What's mine? I would like to find that out. Who could we ask? I bet that as we slide on into the preview palace. Welcome to the preview palace. We might be able to find some of those wizards and witches over at BuzzFeed. What? That might Fuzzbead. have a, a short. Oh, Fuzzbead! <laughs> Fuzzbead! Bring the ledger! Post haste! <laughs> I bet they got a quiz to help us find when out. Fuzzbead shows up. Yeah, he's he's always always great to have around. Yeah. They're gonna tell us which one that we are, Steve. And this is a quiz by uh, Chloe Lana. Dude, fucking white people are just making up names at this point. They're just making it's up names. True, and not washing their legs. Use the old ones. Hey, I mean the soap is running down. <laughs> From where you wash your pits and your hot spots and, your, and your shampoo your this hair, isn't a it thing goes down your legs. This isn't a thing that white people are taught. It's a thing that they don't do culturally. It's instinct. I didn't start washing my legs until I was a teenager because I was finally like, of course my legs are dirty. What are you doing to those things? Yeah, stomping in the mud or something? Yeah. Well, all, okay. all day, if that's day. the case, that I'm is a, mud a thing. Stomping fool. I have given I up a mud stomping. Splash. I gave it up years ago. So Stop. this isn't <laughs> this isn't something I concern myself yeah. with. After the entire uh, uh, that that entire stomp craze that we went through uh-huh. in the in the nineties, the best. Oh no! Smack it on a trash can. And remember, Kirk Franklin was like, "Your mama says stomp." You remember that? That's the one I was thinking of specifically because I was so churchy back in the day. Yeah, but yeah, there was also the improv dance barrel. Probably not where he got his idea. Christian musicians known for getting like original ideas and applying them to Christian music, not finding out what's popular and making Christian music that. Yeah. It's a difference. <laughs> Do you ever think that, like, maybe one of those guys that plays, like, the barrels and trash cans and stuff and Slipknot uh-huh. was just, like, really, 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 really into Stomp? He was like, fucking Stomp. Like, if you talk to him at a party, like, eventually he's going to bring it up. Yeah, exactly. And so then he stomp, had all these, right? all these, like, friends that were, like, really into metal and they were starting a metal <laughs> band. And he was like, now's my chance to use my gift. <laughs> You know, because he's there. He's like living he's in the running, middle of Iowa, running out of the door with his drumsticks and a trash can. And he's like, guys, 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 <laughs> mom, it's all going to work out for me. And she's just like, no, no, it's not. But then the crazy thing is it worked. It worked. <laughs> he's just like, oh, hey, guys, what's going on? Y'all having bad you practice? You know what I found? Oh, I got my barrel in the trunk of the car. I could just get some sticks and, you know, jam out with the band if you wanted me to. You want to wear a clown mask? The uh, majority of parents give the worst career advice. Yeah, it's true. Completely true. Because they aren't even aware of the landscape of careers by the time they're trying to tell you what to do. I really just thought that, that Sean was wasting his time always banging on that barrel in his room. <laughs> Wearing them stupid masks. 
<laughs> Who even wants to see that? That's so ugly. <laughs> it's scary. I don't know why you wouldn't look want to look nice and presentable that while is, you play your song. That is definitely one, at least one member of Slipknot Minimum. has parents who are still like, when are you going to go to college and finally get a real job? Mom, I live in a mansion. I bought you one as well. Yeah, well, I'm doing fine playing on my cans. Now leave me be, woman. Leave me be. All right, Steve, let's take this quiz and let's find out which Nicolas Cage character matches our persona. Now, Steve, our first question is a short quiz. It's a five-questioner, but these are some big questions. Uh-huh. What kind of pants do you wear? Who damn? Leather, corduroy, mm-hmm. cargo, mm-hmm. or I usually don't wear pants. I think I, I know the answer to this one. I usually don't wear pants. I know. You're one of them winter shorts. I wear shorts, so yeah, because I'm, I'm always hot. I think that we've talked about before that winter shorts would make a great black metal band. Winter shorts. Yes. Winter shorts. When it's cold, we wear shorts. Because we're cold inside. <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, we got it. Got you don't it. have to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> also, Norway is cold. So, like, we're always cold, but wearing shorts. We love ice cream in the winter. <laughs> Can you believe that? I'll get you, T.I. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> That's Cobra Commander. Cobra Commander, get out of the band. He's not from Norway. <laughs> okay, so you're a non-short wearing kind of, or non-pant wearing kind yeah, of guy. I've I mean, I, that. I wear jeans when I do wear pants, but that wasn't an option, so. I don't have a leather pant. I no longer I have a cargo pant. I just actually got rid of my last pair of cargo I would shorts. I say that was a positive step in life. It was a positive step in life. I've had a lot of people in my life uh, supporting me and helping me through this yeah. transition, and now I look back just on it. Just at a party, just taking you to the side, like, you sure you need all that room? What are you keeping in those things? Yeah. You know? Because <laughs> what I started to realize is, like, what's with this double life I'm leading, where it's like, in the summertime, <laughs> I'm carrying all my when stuff with me all the time. Yep. Yeah. But then... Then, whenever it's wintertime and I'm just wearing a jean that has regular pockets, I'm like, oh no, I guess I don't have my stuff for half the year. <laughs> what was I doing? What were you doing? Uh-huh. So now I'm cargo-less. I do have her. Still rock a corduroy from now. Yeah? Yeah, from time to time. Man, I, I like a corduroy. It's all right. I had some uh, pretty sweet corduroys that were green in yeah. eighth grade. I like some olive green ones that were sick. Yeah, they were dope. Nice, man. What's next, Steve? Which of the following is most likely to send you into debt? This looks like stuff that Nicholas Cage has bought. Yeah, this is stuff that's definitely... (laughs) My God. Dinosaur skulls. You know, he he actually bought one and then returned it to the place where it was from when they asked him for it. And he didn't even ask for money. What a guy. What a cool guy. Cobras for snake breeding. Oh, okay. Because I need more snakes. Two islands. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Two island, and then a shrunken, a shrunken pygmy heads. I think the only one of these that I would love to have. Uh-huh. I would legit love to have a dinosaur skull like in my house. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were going to say two islands because that's what I want. I want an island more than anything. I want a place where I can just be alone from the goddamn world. Yeah. But still have the internet. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah you don't want to be that kind yeah, of. Yeah. No, really. I mean, like, what am I going to do? Watch Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to have a dinosaur skull. Now that, now that yeah. I'm like thinking more about it, like above a mantle or something like that. would be really cool. Holy shit, like a big triceratops skull. What if you What if you mounted it as if you killed it? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fucking awesome, man. All right, Steve, who's your worst enemy? It's no surprise to me. I am my own worst enemy. Quoth Pink. Lit. Oh, lit. <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't wanna be my friend no more. I wanna be somebody Break else. Break it down. That's pink. Except it would sound more like this. Don't wanna be my friend no more. Ooh, crusty. Yeah, she's got that cigarette voice. She kind of does have yeah. that smoker tone, doesn't she? All right, who's your worst enemy? Is it the IRS? Erwin R. Scheister, I think they mean. Mm. Yeah. My exes. They my live in Texas. Goth son. Yeah, some of those exes live in Texas. My goth son or... Oh, myself is actually one of the choices on oh, here. Oh, well, there you go. Huh. I would say currently the IRS. Yeah, fuck We still haven't got our tax return back. No way. Yeah, Are you we're serious? having to like fucking appeal something. And it's like late August. Yeah. Whoa, that sucks. We got ours like really fast. Did you e-file? Yeah. There's no excuse then. Yeah. That's it's, some bullshit. It's been an issue. I actually am going to also say the IRS... I hate that shit. It's always like the most stressful fucking point yeah, of my year. Because you I know how it. they do this in other countries? They just tell you how much taxes that you owed and whether that that much money was taken out of your check. And guess what? They're so efficient that it was. And you don't get a tax return because they didn't take out too much of your check. That's the thing that's so dumb about the U.S. tax system is like, why do you leave it in the hands yeah. of all your everyday people Nobody knows what they're fucking doing with Ta- this stuff. You know what has stopped it from becoming simplified? Tax preparation services like H&R Block lobby they hard yeah. to keep the tax code difficult and to make it... To, the government was going to establish their own filing system and they got enough senators to vote against it. Oh, they bought enough senators. Yeah, they right. bought enough senators to vote against it. So Sons of bitches. It's not the IRS's fault, but I get you're right. <laughs> All right, Steve, what's next on our list here? What's your kink? Oh, Lord of mercy. Chains, older men. Wait, what is it? Is, <laughs> oh, hello. I didn't know Nick Cage was an older man. Yeah, I was going to say, are these cage related? Uh, furries? Biting. Ooh, I gotta uh, assume that's from Vampire's Kiss. Maybe, I guess so. Uh, I guess of these right here, honestly, it uh, does not apply. Yeah. But I do love some goth chicks. So Chains is going to be the closest yeah. one for me, man. Yeah. I'm very okay with that. Hmm. Gosh. <laughs> this is a real tough choice because none of them. None of them. Uh, so I'm going to go with first. Go for it, man. Yeah. Get furry with it. Mm-hmm. All right, Steve. Our last question here. What is your current mood? This is a visual question with uh-huh. a couple of different Nick Cage stills. I'll try to approximate some noises of what I think is going on here. The first uh-huh. the first picture is Nick Cage kind of going, huh? I think it's actually right before he says, we're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. I think you're right. Because that's from, that's from National, uh, National Treasure. Treasure. Yeah. The next one is definitely Nicolas Cage going, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He's, he's not fully caged out. But no. he's fucking Cajun for sure. It looks sure. like he might be taking a stony shit on the turtlet. <laughs> a stony, a stony shit. one. I'm pretty you sure. You hear each little turtlet like hit bottom. Oh, just a pebble poop. <laughs> it's the worst. The next one's definitely Cage going pretty intense. And he's going, ah. Yeah. And that's from Ghost Rider for sure. Oh, my God. And then the next one is just kind of like the. <laughs> it's the vampire's kiss face. Is that that? Yeah. yeah. He looks like very intense and crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. What is my current mood? I guess I guess I'm stony shit. Yeah. Age. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd go with the intense yell. You had kind of a stressful. Yeah, I had a real stressful, stressful ride like stuff. ride down here, but I've calmed down since we've had I had a drink before this and I've had a beer now, so Alcohol yeah. makes everything better. Kind of fixes everything. You can't spell alcohol without spelling cool. Think you about can't. that. You can't. That's true. <laughs> you cannot. 
proof. Yep. Myth busted. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's going to be like the, the very bizarre, intense WTF look here in the bottom right corner because life has just been crazy, crazy yeah. lately. All right. Apparently... My Nicolas Cage personality is Ben Gates from National Treasure. <gasps> I'm going to go steal the Declaration of I'm Independence. Gonna steal, I'm going to steal Mount Rushmore. <laughs> is that in the next one? <laughs> I think so. I'm going to steal the president. I'm going to steal his fucking tax returns. Yeah. I'm going to steal her emails. I really like that first National Treasure, though. It's a fun movie. Yeah, it's it's fun, a, it, reminds, like, it reminds me of The Mummy. Yeah, out. Yeah, it's just fun. Yeah, it's just fun. Like, yeah, there's some twists and turns that don't make a ton of sense, probably, but whatever. Who you is? I'm Edward Malice from The Wicker Man. The bees. (laughs) The bees. Oh my god! I'm gonna punch women in the face. (laughs) He just decks them left and right. That was kind of like the beginning of. Nicholas Cage going full Nicholas Cage. Well, like Cage. he had done crazy. I mean, Vampire's Kiss. He had done. He had done crazy up to that point, but it had been like kind of out of the way. Like uh, I remember, The Wicker Man was like huge push in advertising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And I remember going and seeing it in theaters and walking out of it laughing my ass off. I thought it was great because yeah. it was so insane. That movie is one of those ones that I remember when it came out, it was just universally hated. Yeah. Like, everybody's like, this is the worst movie ever. Uh-huh. But it's one of those deals that I don't think it was really supposed to be taken seriously. No. I think that it was supposed to be nutty and over the well, top. When you compare it to, hollow, you know? You compare it to the original, I can get why people be disappointed. Especially people who knew the original well. The original is, is, is serious and more of a midsummer type movie. Right. But yeah, like, I didn't think in any way that it was, there was no way at least Nick Cage thought it was supposed to be serious. (laughs) Well, Steve, now that we know which Nick Cage character we are, I'm going to tell you something that I know. Tell me all about it. That's what beer we should drink right now. Tell me. This is something very special and magical that made its way into Merchants of Beer here in Knoxville, and it is from the Maine Beer Company. That's Maine like the state, not the central beer company. All right. This is the Maine Beer Company from Freeport, Maine. This is their Lunch IPA. Okay. And they do... I wow, think they I like that like plain a, label. Yeah, it's like really, really, really huh. simple. I think it's very... It's a, a very plain a cool, name. Clean design yeah. and stuff that they do. And uh, it comes in like a tall... What is that? A little bit over a pint bottle, I guess. This seems like something Ron Swanson would make. Yeah. you know how like... It says what it is on Ron the Ron is like not pretentious at all, but his woodwork is intricate and amazing. Yeah. Like, it sounds like Ron Swanson was just like, I want to make a delicious beer. Yeah. I'm in Maine, the Maine Beer Company, of course. The label will be white, and it will say the name of the beer on it. (laughs) And this is when you should probably have it. Lunch. Yeah, precisely. (laughs) Dude, this stuff is apparently pretty damn hard to get. Merchants got a bunch, and they also, they recently had it on tap, but I think that they just ran out. Merchants is fucking kicking it. Yes. They're, They're getting some good stuff in there. Yes, they fucking are. And... They also make a dinner IPA that's apparently even harder to get, but it's like a double IPA. It's supposed to be amazing. Okay, this right here, the label says, Lunch is a special whale that has been spotted off the main coast since 1982. Oh. She has what looks like a bite taken out of her fin, which adds to her unique character. We dedicate this beer to her determination and persistence. Keep on swimming. And dude, I got to tell you what. This beer came very heavily recommended, uh-huh. and I've had very many of them. Okay. It is amazing. All right. This beer is fucking- You've hyped it up? Fantastic. All right. Now, the thing is, is with a lot of these IPAs that we get, and we try here on the show, 
it's like this multi-layered experience where it's like, oh, I can taste this on top of this, and then the right. aftertaste is this. Uh-huh. This is not that beer. Okay. This is one of the most singularly flavored, clearly tasteable. Ron brewed this beer. It is, yeah, yes. it really is. It is one of the most pure, singular tasting IPAs I've ever had. Yeah. The taste from start to finish is the same, and the clarity and balance of this beer, I think, is damn near unparalleled. I'm excited for you this. You should be. You really Hoorah. should be. Like, you know how, you know, our, our beloved Lagunitas, for example, yeah. how it's like, yeah, they have those flavors, and then after you swallow, there's this big backbone of just that big Lagunitas, whatever mm-hmm. the hell it is they do to their beer's yeah. flavor. This isn't really like that. It's like a Lagunitas that's been run through a Brita filter or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Really it, stripped down to what the single taste that they want. Precisely. Yeah. 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 It is just a very elegant and, again, I would say balanced beer. So I'm very excited to see what you think about this. Pretty pale. Our beer tastes seem to be pretty fucking similar. Oh, it smells great. Yeah. So I think that what you will that? really no, enjoy like, this. It smells kind of like... Kind of like hops. <laughs> it smells like hops. Seven, but, I mean, it smells like a... Um, like, um, it's a seven percenter, by the way. Hmm. Let me top you off over there. Got a little fruit punchy maybe smell to yeah. it. I think that you will enjoy this very much. Try it out. I here. love it. I'm buying up as much of it as I possibly can. You're right. That is just a single flavor. And, and it's, it's great. just pure all the way through. It's just like... Yeah. It's like distilled IPA. Like right. the That's idea of yeah. a perfect IPA, basically. Yeah. It is just pure flavor. Isn't yeah. that amazing? Yeah, because it, it's got like piney, resiny stuff, but it's also like there's just a little sweetness to it. Yeah. But it's just like it goes in, you taste it, and it's gone. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I know. Just the, the clarity of this beer, I think, is phenomenal. If you guys can ever find Maine wow. Beer Company, they're out of Freeport, Maine. If you can find them in their uh, in your town, give them your money. They and are if making the main, a fine product. A beer company wants to advertise with Dead and Lovely. I mean, hey, we're already us. singing Dead your praises anyway. at gmail.com. Maybe you do. Mm, isn't that great? It's really good. I know. I could drink like that, and that, of these. that does seem like it would go well with a meal. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, because most IPAs, it's just like the flavor is just yeah, so too in, much. crazy and intense. Yeah, you can't really have like it with a meal. You definitely like, yeah, with a real strong IPA... If you're having a steak, it's going to take away from the flavor of the steak. Mm-hmm. But this, like, it's got the single flavor. Like, it would go well with a, a good, I feel like a steak. Like, yeah. You know what? It's funny you mentioned that. that. This is actually what I had the other night at Rebel Kitchen in uh-huh. Old City, Knoxville. It sounds like this whole fucking episode is just like, come visit prestigious Old City, Knoxville. You really should, though. You really should, though. It's, it's fucking real awesome. cool. It's really it, I mean, it's really built up. Because yeah. I remember when I was a teenager, the first time I had gone, gone down there for like a show or something. Yeah, there's blue and cats was, and it was a dump. And it was a dump. Yeah. yeah and now it's it. fucking awesome. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. badass. But at Rebel Kitchen the other night, which is a really upscale, amazing fine dining place in Knoxville, I did have this with a steak and it was fucking incredible. Yeah. Speaking of steaks, because I said last, last episode I had a steak for my birthday. Yeah, yeah. My mom... Um, I went to see her. I hadn't seen her in, in a little bit and wanted to see her, you know, around my birthday. And my mom, when I got there, she was like, I got these steaks and there were these great looking New York mm, strips. Mm-hmm. And she was like, but I ate before you got here. Do you think you could eat two steaks? And I was like, do you think you could? Yes, I think I could. <laughs> so I had two and I, she gave me the best present. And my, my mom knows me because she was like, do you want to cook them? 
Yes. Yeah, of course yeah, I do. I would prefer to make my own steak. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I make these two perfectly cooked rare steaks and mm. a, a medium well for my sister. Medium well, come on. Yeah, well. Get your shit together, sis. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and then my, my grandmother had made some green beans that she had just picked from her garden. Oh, so yeah. I fucking two perfect. Them garden freshies. New York strips and green beans. Mm. Man. Damn, that sounds that was, pretty fucking good. That was a good, great birthday man. present. That sounds A-OK. Mm-hmm. Know what you mean? It's like, I like cooking for myself like yeah. that's a gift to me really yes know? cooking yeah. is the gift you give yourself thanksgiving for me is like my favorite time yeah and, yeah and, you're and about it that's i right. know and people people will be like oh do you need help and it's like no 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 this is my favorite part of it is yeah. me making all the food and then everybody else trying it uh-huh that's yeah. where it's at okay so the subject of our show today steve is Mandy from 20 and 18, and it was directed by Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> His name is a spell, but it's Panos Cosmatos, <laughs> which of course makes bread rain from the stars. Oh, is that what happens? Yeah. It makes the pan. Panos Cosmatos. <laughs> you can use it either if you're hungry or to like pelt your enemies with bread. Your gluten. Because it's really coming down from the sky. You use that to fight your gluten sensitive enemies. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. Voldemort's like, fuck, oh, I'm going to diarrhea myself. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. I, I got to tell you, I, I, since we're already talking about his name, yeah. I got to tell you the thing. I, we'll talk about him a little bit more, but the thing you have to know about Panos Cosmatos is his first job was as second unit video assist operator on a movie made by his dad called Tombstone. No shit. Yep. Wait, his dad, his dad made George Tombstone? George Cosmatos made Tombstone. He made uh, um, uh, uh, Rambo First fuck? Blood Part 2. He made... Whoa, this is all shit I did not know. Yeah. And uh, oh, Cobra also. He made Cobra, which is not a great movie, but you do need to see it if you like 80s action movies. The fucking Tombstone. Yeah. Tombstone, though. Fuck yes. Oh, my. We sung its praises many times and on the show. The thing I love about that is the the thing that I just read you, second unit video assist operator, that is not... That's almost not nepotism at all. <laughs> like to give him that job is not saying like this is my son. You listen to him. It's saying to your son like learn. Get in the trenches. Yeah, learn how to do this on the second unit. You're not even on where I am. You're off somewhere else. So wow. people don't have to listen to you because your daddy's here. Work your way up. Yeah, and I mean that obviously was the mid '90s. So he didn't make. Beyond the Black Rainbow till 2010. Yeah, yeah. So he yeah. was in the trenches. Yeah, so for he was a long building his time. career. Yeah. So this is only his second movie, right? Yeah. Eight years apart, too. Wow. Yeah. He put some thought into this. Yes, shit. he did. I've never seen Beyond the Black Rainbow, but I'm aware of its existence, and I've seen clips of it because uh-huh. somebody, I think it was a fan made YouTube video, made a video for a Com Trues song, which okay. is like my favorite kind of. Whatever the fucking kids call it, retro wave, vapor wave, synth mm-hmm. wave, whatever. Eighty sound and electronic. Yeah, I know stuff. what you're talking I about. Fucking love Comtrues, but somebody made a video of one of his songs that was set to like clips from Black Rainbow, and it looks crazy. Fucking I have nutty. watched it. I was I was drunk when I watched it, and um, still counts. I still enjoyed it. It is. It's like this. It's slow. It's like plotting, but it's also like crazy at moments and looks and like hyper visually so awesome yeah yeah wow man um, i need to I, watch i it. really wanted to watch it to compare the two because in fact they're set in the same year and i think they're probably supposed to be in the same world 
That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. So this is set in 1983, right? Yeah. So I listened to a interview with Panos yeah. uh, the other day, which I'll be talking about more as we go along because he had a lot of interesting things to say. And he was talking about like why he chose in particular to set this in, in the 80s as okay. opposed to current day or the 70s or the 60s or whatever. And he said that basically like where we are as an audience where we've been watching movies that are set in all these different decades you know for i mean damn near 100 years now right over 100 years now really yeah. Well, you know yeah i mean yeah there were motion pictures yeah yeah over 100 years ago and he said that his choice to set this in this certain time period he said that because we've been watching movies for so long that take place in all these different eras he said what era a movie takes place in is almost irrelevant and it becomes just like choosing a color or a mood yeah. for a movie yeah, it, is. Is I mean, it, it, it helps with your uh, your production design. It helps with uh, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it helps with your customer, who, so they can be like, okay, so I'm dealing with this range of stuff. It does make it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it it also can have zero effect, like it does in this movie. Yeah, the fact yeah. that it's an '83 doesn't have an effect. No, there's like Ronald Reagan on the radio at one point, yeah, and that's pretty much all. Yeah, and then of course the Cheddar Goblin commercial, which is, oh my god, dude, they they. I'll talk about that in a second. Okay, yeah, I want to know. I want to know all yeah. about that stuff. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, is to set this in kind of the the early '80s, where we were still in kind of that rollover from the late '70s. Yes, I think makes so much sense for this movie because it has this whole like '70s prog meets like heavy metal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, airbrushed graphics on the side of a van yeah. aesthetic that just went with that time period. I I want the truck that Nicolas Cage drives in this oh, so bad. Oh, dude, it's badass. It's so cool. Same. It's yeah. fucking sick. He, when he flips that thing, I was like, oh, oh damn. damn. Yeah, and it's like it's like halfway through the movie, too. It's, it's so like, fuck, sick. that's such a cool truck. Do you think that those things kind of went into influencing his decisions about the aesthetic and feel of this movie? What do you think the influences of this were? It, on Shudder, there's a behind-the-scenes and also oh. deleted scenes for Mandy. Nice. And by the way, every streaming service should include what is on the blu-ray dude god damn it drives me i want to see insane. those interviews i want to see all that stuff like it's just rotting out there nobody's watching it and i'm interested it pisses me off and yeah. even like sometimes on amazon when you like buy a movie yes it'll, you, it'll be like oh it's like a four hour long cut of the movie and it's like no they just put all the bonus stuff at the end at the end instead of making it a separate thing file yeah, you, you can, can just select click on shit. yeah it's not like a dvd where you can be like special features now watch this section right. watch this with commentary it's like no it's just one big package you can sort through it no you <sighs> yeah. fucking can't no you can't oh it drives me crazy dude okay so uh, you're watching the special features, right so he talked about his his major influence okay i'm interested said, to know major influences heavy metal music Heavy metal album covers. This all makes sense. Heavy metal, the the cartoon. Okay, uh-huh. yeah, and uh, also, also uh, very much inspired by the VHS covers of horror movies that he couldn't watch because his parents wouldn't let him watch them. He's singing my song, man. This, yeah, we've He's talked about this story. before. This was you. Yeah, Where, like you get an idea of these things just from the VHS cover. Yeah, totally. It's and I mean, the fact that you're not allowed to watch it. 
builds up this mystique. Yeah. And it makes your imagination go wild. I talked about that, I think, on the first Child's Play episode where I was like, mm-hmm. what, what, what could this be, be about? Yeah. You know? A jack-in-the-box with scissors? And, yeah. yeah. Hellraiser? How come he's got these nails in his face? Does he like that? Did he get that from raising hell? Or is that his particular way to raise hell? Does he work at Lowe's? Maybe he does. <laughs> <laughs> you need ten penny nails? Here. <laughs> That's so I'm cool, need though. More than one, and this has skull on it. <laughs> Ooh. But there's something about those those classic, you know, '80s VHS mm-hmm. box arts that really stuck in all of our brains back in the day. And the man. experience of walking around. Actually, I uh, I forgot to mention this. I also watched. There's a documentary on Shutter called Why Horror. I don't think it was amazing, but it did it did do a good job of trying to investigate like why we're so interested in horror movies. Oh, and cool. one of the things that he got into was a lot of our generation is so influenced by just walking around in the video store, yeah, and totally. seeing those things, yeah. and then that making you want to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's not the same as scrolling through Netflix. No, because you it's just scroll, scroll, same. scroll, and a lot of the, like they don't do as much interesting stuff with those covers on Netflix no. as they used to do with the VHS covers. Yeah, yeah, because that's the thing is like walking around a VHS store back in the day. It, it was all just a sales pitch. Every yeah. box was like, <laughs> rent this movie, buy this movie, uh-huh. and on the back it'd tell you enticing information and shit. Yeah. But, you know, these days it's like you scroll through Netflix and it's like, oh, this is the movie Here's starring the Keanu Reeves. Of the movie, made yeah. in 1988, whatever. Right. You know, it's like there's no, there's there's nothing they're trying to entice you to purchase it, to yeah. put money towards it, you know? Yeah, I miss it. I think it's, I think yeah. it, I think it's something that could come back. Because it's not like like Redbox is still popular. People still want to go and select a movie somewhere. Dude, you know what would be fucking sick? What that is? Oh, trademark dead and lovely. Okay. Just in advance, trademark right. and lovely. If whatever like the next big streaming service, or maybe even just one of the current existing streaming services, instead of the menu being you know scroll through whatever, scroll through horror, scroll through comedy. Yeah. What if it basically placed you in like a virtual video store where you could walk around so the fucker, fun. you know, and there's like yeah. all the titles on the shelf and it's like you could virtually stick your arm out and like pick up a box it's, and read it. It's like first person shooter That's mode, what I'm saying, but exactly. you're just looking at, at the boxes, yeah. I would love that. That'd be fun. Be like, let's go walk around and see what they got uh-huh. today. Trademark <laughs> dead and lovely, dude. That's, that's, a million, that's a million dollar fucking idea. Yeah, you know, with this movie, his influences, he said for it. Uh, mostly go back to his two favorite movies, which, which were? are Evil Dead Two uh-huh. and The Road Warrior. There you go. That's is, this movie. It's pretty well on Front Street when you look at it. That yeah, way. absolutely. Yeah, Road Warrior is he's getting revenge for. Well, I mean, at first he's trying to save his wife and child. Yeah, and then he's getting revenge for his wife and child. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then Evil Dead is pretty clear in the way that they choose to color everything, but also in the chainsaw fight, I think particularly. And I think in the mixer of gruesomeness and blood and comedy and comedy. Yeah. Yeah. This is a lot more subtle, obviously. Oh yeah. There's not as much comedy. It's more like the same comedic levels, like evil dead one, where it's just like a little bit, a little bit comedic, but maybe weird. I mean, mostly, mostly the one big comedic scene, but there's still some funny things that happen. There's subtle, funny shit in this. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I think the road warrior influence comes out a lot in the, the gang of the black skulls, Yeah, the black skulls, which are kind of like road warrior Cenobites. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, because they're they're trying to experience the outer reaches of experience. Yeah, dude. They're, a bunch of acid heads. Yeah, they took some acid that was made by the chemist to basically be the worst acid trip ever, and they enjoy it. And, dude, I think that the Black Skulls are fucking sick. I saw a lot of people online that were like, oh, you never really got to see what they look like. Of course not. It's cooler that way. Yeah, that's uh, what Pano said. He he said, I used the Ridley Scott Blade Runner idea of cover it with rain and darkness. Yeah, dude. It's cooler that way. way, It's way cooler because it's your imagination trying to figure out, like, are those spikes coming through his skin or are they on his, like, clothing the spike guy yeah got yeah killed first he's got like fucking wrought iron like yeah. sticking all over his body like a, a rebar and that would make sense because uh you know what, what he said they uh, like pain yeah, and stuff the, yeah uh, bill duke uh, carruthers he says yeah they 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 love it they love the pain yeah so i think it's awesome and it's like dude even in that one scene like probably the clearest you ever see any of them is when nicholas cage like wakes up and he's been like nailed to the floor yeah. and shit and there's the one that's kind of like talking in his face and stuff, and it looks like it has like a clear face mask yeah. over its face or something. Yeah, like something. it shows it, and I still can't really tell what it is. I it, think it's it shows it several design. times. Yeah. yeah, it does. I think the design of those black skulls is fucking sick. Yeah, it's great. And I love how just kind of ambiguous the whole thing is. It's like, are they supernatural or are they just? humans or well, does it even when, matter when i don't think he it matters takes the lsd they take supernatural shit occurs dude he barely even sticks his finger yeah. on like an atom of that shit and it shows him where the chemist is and yeah, the chem- yeah like, i, I want to get time. i want to yeah. talk about that scene in particular because it's like it's very lsd but also like i think there's an explanation for what's oh, going on cool. there but um yeah, he takes that and like, but he becomes like them, and his his pupils are fucking dilated like yeah, crazy. Face melts and yeah. Um, so he be- he becomes like them mm-hmm. in the end, and I don't know if like maybe uh, Carruthers said that they were the baddest dudes out there even before they took that acid. Right. Yeah. So I think maybe like he becomes sort of bestial and and taps into that stuff like them, but he doesn't become. Like, like he doesn't want pain mm-hmm. he wants to get, get revenge, revenge dude yeah. i think another influence in this movie uh, you know like i said you can definitely see that the evil dead and the road warrior stuff yeah i think suspiria the original had to be a gigantic uh, yeah the color this. choices reminded me a lot yeah of- yeah exactly all these just like crazy yeah raging well, and bright do, weird colors the whole they movie. do a lot of red and green also the more purples blue and, pink, and blue dude. and pink yeah mm-hmm. and they do a lot of that bright lurid green and yeah. stuff like they do in suspiria and also too just the fact that the you know undoubtedly inarguably the soundtrack and the visual dominate this movie the story yeah. is very minimal. The it's, dialogue yeah, it's a revenge very tale. minimal. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just like how Suspiria, uh, we talked about that on a Suspiria episode like forever ago whenever we yeah. did that movie. It's just, it's just like mixing an album or something like that where everything can't be huge. Right. You know, the drums can't sound amazing and gigantic and the bass sounds huge and the guitar sounds huge. Because it all sound sounds huge. the same. Yeah, nothing which sounds means huge. none of it's huge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that with this movie... You know, choosing to have those two elements of the visual and the soundtrack being so massive mm-hmm. and having the storyline be so simple, I think is a a wonderful choice. I think that if you were being bombarded by these acid trip visuals, 
in this crazy intense soundtrack while also trying to keep up with like multiple character arcs and right. fucking family tree like game of thrones oh, shit yeah. there's only one character arc in this movie yeah, yeah it would be sensory overload yeah and that's one of the main critiques i see about this movie is people are like oh the storyline's so minimal there's nothing to it and it's like dude try keeping up with a story while you feel like you're tripping balls watching this movie <laughs> it would be impossible yeah I think, I mean, since you mentioned the soundtrack, we should mention Johan Johansson. Uh-huh. Fucking nailed it. Using a lot, there, there's some metal uh, prog rock from that time, but yeah, also dude. a lot of his own stuff. And this was his last project before he died. Yeah. So it was dedicated to him. He, uh, he cocained himself. He cocained himself to death, yeah. Into the next world. But yeah. dude, the soundtrack in this is phenomenal. And something you pointed out that I didn't know is that the movie starts with a King Crimson song, uh-huh. which is awesome. Again, sets that Starlight. 70s prog rock what is it, kind of Starlight? thing. Starlight? I think it, that's right. Called? I think yeah. that's the name of it. And Nick Cage is a protagonist. Red was... Mm-hmm. That was the name of the album that Starlight was on. That's so cool. Yeah, so that's he, just such a deep cut. Uh-huh. Like, if There's you know a lot it, you know of stuff thing. in here that like I'm not even sure about. Like, cause the, like There were so many explanations I found for the reason his shirt had 44 on it, and none of them were convincing to me. Yeah? Yeah. Like so, what? Uh, one person said that it was ha- referencing the lost 44th novel of Mark Twain. Another person said <laughs> okay. it had to do with... Um, was it Jesse Jackson whose number was 44? Uh, like It was just like a bunch of wild guesses. And my guess is that it means nothing. It's just his favorite shirt. Yeah. You ripped my shirt! Yeah. Like he just loves that shirt. He looks wow. good in it. I get it. I love a baseball shirt, yes, as you know. I wear one fan. all the time. Huge fan. Yeah. Never played a single game of baseball in my life. You'd never know because I wear the shirt like a pro. I played a bunch of baseball. Never wore a baseball shirt. Right. What the That's, fuck? Uh, why do they call it that? I have no <laughs> idea. It is truly, truly a bizarre thing. Yeah, the soundtrack in this movie is phenomenal. Again, there's a little bit of licensed music in here. The original score stuff is great. I think one of the guys from Sun also worked on the soundtrack like along okay. with Johannes Johansson. Have you ever listened to Sun? Uh-uh. Sometimes they're called Sun O because their logo has like an O and a bunch of little lines after it. Gotcha. Like the Sun Amp Manufacturing Company. Oh, okay. Uh, they are a very strange band. They basically <laughs> just do like big drones and feedbacks and stuff. Okay. It's, it's drone metal, you know? Okay. Yeah, the soundtrack in this I think is is phenomenal really 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 cool and an essential part really sets the tone throughout Mm -hmm. just makes you really feel alien from time to time it's got and and of course that's the end of this is that he is now suddenly thinking he's on an alien world with two moons and a sun that's something i was going to ask you about because the movie seems to take place in maybe the pacific northwest ish uh it's it's in um Eastern Southern California. It's in the uh, Mojave Desert near okay. the border of Nevada. That's not where it was shot. That's where when it says at the beginning. Do you remember the no. black? It was the Black Mountains or something. Nah, like I don't that? remember. Honestly. Anyway, well, apparently they lived down there near Crystal Lake, where at Jason's out there floating around, being a, a good boy. We talked about this in the Friday the Thirteenth movies, especially when we got to three, because three is shot in California. Where in the hell is Crystal Lake? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jersey, apparently. In this movie, they're referencing an actual Crystal Lake that is near where it says that they they are. All right, Which, fine. again, I fucking can't remember. But, 
I think they were maybe making a nod towards that, obviously, because he said he was influenced by classic eighties yeah, horror. Classic yeah, 80s horror. So Shadow Mountains is what it's called. Shadow Mountains. There Shadow we go. Mountains, and it's set in the year nineteen. That sounds like a damn D and D location. It does. Well, and that's <laughs> there's a lot. There's some D and D references throughout this as well. I figured there must be. Like yeah. I don't know shit about any of that stuff. But yeah. When you've got stuff like the. What's he say about that that dagger of the pale night? Yeah, that's from the abyssal lair, the tainted blade. That's yeah, what it is. That's from a D and D campaign. No shit. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this. So, do you think that that is in this movie a reference to D and D to entertain nerds that are watching the movie? No. Or, or do you think that that is Jeremiah Sand pulling bullshit out of thin yeah, air? Yeah, that's to show they're full of shit. Okay, so yeah. it's just like, if you and know, that, you're I mean, like, ah, it's just a D&D reference. I guess technically there are two character arcs in this because we see Jeremiah Sand go from leader of a cult to I'll suck your dick. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. To not get killed. Let's talk about the characters in this movie a little bit and the cast. It's not a gigantic, no. uh, huge cast of characters here. Right. I would say the main characters are really Mandy and Red and Jeremiah Sand. And Mandy's dead before the movie's even halfway over. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, let's start with Jeremiah Sand and talk about his character a little bit. Now, he's played by Bruce Wayne's dad from Batman Begins. <laughs> that's true. Linus Roach? Linus I think Roach. that's right. Yeah. yeah, Linus Roach. You see his dick in the movie. You do. You see his dick. And then he gets laughed at. He does. He does. With his shitty, weird music I loved that's about that himself. part about the movie because I don't love that most every single revenge movie requires violence against a woman to kick off there's usually some sort of sexual violence yeah. at the at the heart of most revenge movies yeah. yeah and usually the woman who's being violated is that a word violented <laughs> i guess so yeah <laughs> um is is this super sweet wonderful girl and you're like oh why would this happen to her yeah and with mandy it's like why would this happen to her this is super fucked up and then like all right she's laughing at his dick fuck him yeah she mm. knows what's gonna happen but she's spitting in his face in the end. It doesn't matter to her. Fuck him. Yeah. I think that's pretty badass. It doesn't take away from the fact that we need a revenge movie where a woman's husband gets killed and she's not going around talking about her kids for an hour and a half. She's going around <laughs> fucking murdering people. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. Like just fucking slaughtering people like this movie. And at the end, she's fucking the winner, the end. And then that like every 40, 50 year old action star who's made that movie, uh, Liam Neeson, Nick Cage, Mel Gibson, every, every old action star has made the payback movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But not, not women. I hadn't really thought about that way until you brought it up, but it's like really just about every revenge movie, mm-hmm. whether you're talking about, let's say like, you know, I spit on your grave. Yeah. Starts with woman gets raped, lives, yeah. gets revenge. So, yeah. But then you look at like Death Wish and you're like male main character. Well, his, his wife, wife gets, gets raped and then killed. Yeah. And then he goes on revenge. It's like, there's yeah. always something fucking happening it, against women. Why can't it movies. just happen to him? Yeah. And then he'd be like, honey, I'm going to go kill all these people. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> why does it have to be a it's woman? It's always that. I don't really know. Yeah. I don't really know. In John Wick, his wife dies. Is it, It's not related, though, to... I don't think so, no. It's like, uh, yeah. His yeah, so dog's the John Wick is an exception. His dog becomes the victim, and yeah. that that's super fucking God, sad. John Wick is so bad. Yeah, it is. Fuck. I still didn't see the third one, man. I heard I it was seen amazing. It yeah. Show's sure, uh, got to be streaming soon. Yeah, I would imagine. Of course, it, it made a ton of money. They might be dragging it out in the theaters. Yeah. I, would, I would get those last few dollars. Yeah, why not, man? Yeah. Why not? 
Yeah, so this is uh, ultimately kind of a, a revenge kind of movie, and the relationship between Jeremiah Sand and Mandy is the yeah. thing that drives it. Basically, Jeremiah Sand and his cult, which this is just kind of like coming out of the 70s where we've had a lot of mm-hmm. cult activity, the Manson family being the obvious. Yeah, he talks very Manson-y and does a lot of the Manson stuff, which was mostly keep everybody on tons of mind-bending drugs and yeah. make them reliant on you. Yeah, and also it, you get the impression that he kind of like mills through these women where it's just like, yeah. you were my favorite, now you're old. Now I've got this young, timid girl in here. She's my favorite until I saw Mandy, and now she's my favorite. Mm-hmm. But they all remain loyal and devoted to him yeah. because they think he's at the center of... of fucking everything you know yeah cults and stuff always prey on finding people that are disenfranchised and left behind and making them feel important that's yeah. all you have to do to start a cult best that's way it. to prevent cults from happening have a world where people don't feel disenfranchised that would be great yeah that'd be great let's uh let's see if we can't work on that let's try building a good world yeah and then maybe we'll end cults and mass shootings and all those things maybe so Panos said that a lot of his inspiration for the character of Jeremiah Sand came from, obviously, Charles Manson. Yeah. This failed musician, rock right. star, wannabe guy that still sees himself as very self-important mm-hmm. and has this sex cult and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he said while he was writing the movie, this is also right when Donald Trump got elected. Yeah. And I can said, see that. I didn't even know that. I can yeah. see that, though. So he said that he kind of tried to merge the personalities of Mike Pence and Donald Trump into the character of Jeremiah Sand, where he is this guy. Mike Pence and Donald Trump or Charles yeah. Manson and Donald no, Trump? No, Don- Mike, Mike Pence and Donald Pence Trump. And Donald Trump. Okay, said, so he's like specifically religious but stupid. Yeah, and acting so powerful and yeah. almighty, but then on a, you know, just turning on a dime being weak and pathetic. I suck yeah. your dick, man. Yeah. He said that that is the way that he envisions Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. Donald Trump is weak and pathetic oh, for sure. Fucking absolutely so. <laughs> so apparently he merged a lot of those ideas into the character of Jeremiah Sand. That's awesome. I know. I think it's pretty wow. fucking sick. It's pretty Yeah, cool. now thinking back on it, I can see a lot of, of that. Which makes the Reagan thing earlier in the movie seem more important. Yeah. Because you're just like, oh, that laid the groundwork for yeah, fucking yeah, Donald another- Trump. Another president with uh, dementia who was yeah. being controlled by a whole bunch of other people yeah. just signing papers across his desk thinking, I'm getting money for this. Exactly. And that's important. And that's important. Yeah. Yeah. The character of Jeremiah Sand, I think that, I think that, what did you, what did you say his name was? Uh, Linus Roach. Linus Roach. I yeah. think that he plays him really, really, really well. He yeah. has this air of like dominance and power uh-huh. over his people, but then we see those moments when he's alone and he has that like Gollum moment where he's talking to himself in the mirror. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Yeah. Tell me what to do. And you see this just like, man, all of these people that act like they are so in control and so powerful uh-huh. are just pathetic they're fucking just acting. people. Yeah. yeah, they're just acting. That's mm-hmm. it, man. That's it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's seen as a weakness to admit you don't know, but I, this actual strong, real strong people out there, the people who can say, I don't know what yeah, we're going to do really about sure. this, yeah. but I know some things we need to do now to fix something. <laughs> like, like that's what you need. You need somebody who's like, yep, you know what? We don't have a solution for all that, but we have solutions for some of it. And right. let's fucking do that. 
I think it would have been very easy for him to play this character way over the top and get like silly, ridiculous, like, yeah. here's me on my album singing a song about myself while I wear these weird shoulder pads. And Show shit. off my dick. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would have been really easy for him to get very over the top with this. And apparently, Panos originally wrote this role with Nicolas Cage in mind. He yes. wanted Nicolas Cage yeah, to play Jeremiah Yeah, Sand. and Nicolas Cage wanted to play Red. And it took. Took him some convincing for Panos to be like, yeah, okay. And basically what they say in the making of thing is that they were finally just like, are we being stupid? Nick Cage wants to be in our movie. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Do whatever you need to. Obviously. (laughs) And Nick Cage, of course, plays Red Mm -hmm. in this, our main character. He's a lumberjack. He's, He's had a rough time. He and Mandy both have had a rough life up to this point. But they're happy with each other. They live in a house that's made of just windows, I guess. Yeah, that house looks so awesome. It did. Oh my god. Um, yeah, he's he's a lumberjack. They're up in the, these mountains and living in this like cabin away from everybody. But yeah. they're they're happy. He's former alcoholic. We gather. I was gonna ask about yeah. that. Yeah. Just quick side note: Was he the former alcoholic or was she? Well, he certainly he's offered a drink early in the movie and he's like no oh really and then later he goes to his hidden bottle of vodka which is very much an alcoholic thing boom okay i didn't i didn't know that yeah because he made like a beeline for it in that bathroom went straight to it and i was like is that just where he knows mandy hides hers or is that his stash yeah well we know they both had it rough and mandy has that scar yeah it's never really no explanation for it yeah Yeah. which again i'm glad they didn't explain but there's also some implication that he may have been in the military because of his association with Carruthers. It seems yeah. like maybe they have this background. And in he's wearing Vietnam. like a Vietnam jacket yeah. and shit. That's the impression I got, too. I was yeah. like, maybe these guys know each other from being in the shit. Yeah. You but know? again, never never says it out loud. This movie's so good at showing yes. and not telling. Like, yes, dude. The because, thing that makes good stories good. <laughs> because, as you said... It's too big to get you thinking off in these other alleys. You don't. It's got to it. keep going down the street. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Everything else is just too big to for them to have one line where Carruthers is like, "Remember when we in the, we in the shit?" Yeah, exactly. It doesn't need yeah. that. I, yeah, that's that's one of those deals where he was very careful while he was making this movie about trusting his audience to get yeah. just the implied shit that would be going on without mm-hmm. holding your hand through every step of the movie. Yeah, his character of, of Red is, at the first of the movie, I think, very, very sensitive. Uh-huh. To her. Yeah, to her. To the rest of the world, he doesn't seem to care about anything. No, he just it goes seems to like work, Mandy comes is home, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. And then after that's taken away from him, he just goes fucking into mega Nick Cage cocaine mode. I mean, that that scene in the bathroom where he's chugging the vodka and Mm-mm. just screaming and crying. Pouring it all over his wounds and yeah. stuff. It is so intense. And it's also aided by the fact that like... Dude, the fact that they chose to make that bathroom in that crazy, like, floor-to-ceiling, yeah, that vibrant, wallpaper orange, insane. you know, pattern wallpaper it's very, and shit. It's very, um, it's very much something you would expect from a Kubrick movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's Those, so symmetrical I mean, the design, not the way it's shot, but yeah, the design yeah. is very Kubrickian. Totally. Dude, that scene where he goes into that bathroom 
And like you said, it's just screaming and yeah. forcing vodka down his throat. And like, he like grabs his throat as he's drinking it. Cause he yeah. tells like burning his throat up yeah. and stuff. It only served to remind me of one of the more surreal moments that I've had in life that yeah. made me think of someone power chugging alcohol. Uh-huh. There was a time many years ago, Steve, where I was temporarily playing guitar on tour with a uh, a band from Knoxville that got signed to like Roadrunner Records and stuff called Straight Line Stitch. Yeah, I remember Straight Line Stitch. Band. I remember partying with them. Yeah. I was Mormon then, though, so I don't know how hard they partied. Ooh. I was just like, oh, these people are fun. We had ourselves some good times, and one of those times involved us playing a big show at Ground Zero in Spartanburg. Okay. Which is a big like heavy metal venue. It's like mm-hmm. one of those deals where it was like, clearly an old warehouse or something with all all kinds of different rooms that they converted into like a venue with multiple stages and shit right and this particular show we were playing was like one of those six hour like there's 20 bands playing on two different stages Uh, as I lay dying was playing that was before Tim Lambesis tried to have his wife murdered murdered that was before that when they were still like cool Mm -hmm. and we played our set it went great stuck around watched some of the other bands that play and stuff and as I was fixing to leave that night, Kate was with me this particular night, we stuck around to watch an artist who's known as the Emotron. Okay. Emotron. Emotron. I do not know if this character still exists, if he is still alive. I hope he's listening right now. Oh my God, I so hope so. <laughs> if anybody knows the whereabouts of Emotron, please, please, Have please, you please seen post this it. man? Yeah, seriously. Dude, this guy, he was a one-man show. It was on, on like a huge Metal Fest show. Uh-huh. This guy was a one-man show, and he got up on stage with like a really shitty like 80s like Casio like drum machine sequencer thing, and he'd like hit play, and he'd sing really horrible songs that were very bad. In between songs, he'd have all these weird interludes where he would talk about really strange personal things. And he wore, I think, no less than 15 different brightly colored leotards on top of each other. And in Did between he songs... Them as yeah. He, okay. Yeah, he'd just strip them off one by one. And you're like, surely that's the last... Nope, there's more. Huh. There'd be a different leotard going on all the time. Huh. And things got really fucking weird in this guy's set. There was one point in there where he, on his like Casio sequencer thing turned on like this adorable like lovely like nursery rhyme tinkly bells music box kind of thing and had this big deal where he like birthed a baby on stage and like (laughs) sang to it and nestled it and swaddled it and all this stuff it was like watching a serial killer just being like this is music right huh and then at the end of his show after he'd stripped down to his final leotard which I think at that point was like a speedo or something he on stage had the entire show a case of like natty light a whole case and his finale of his show was to put on the most like innocent dreamy lovely sounding music that he had available on a sequencer mm-hmm. he then proceeded to as the music played power chug probably eight <laughs> beers before he started projectile vomiting into the into the crowd 
And then after he did that the first time, he proceeded to continue chugging it more beers. Like Andy Kaufman it and Gallagher had a son. It was. That's exactly what the fuck it was. <laughs> And so, he any of dr- our prison listeners, ask around your cell block and see if this guy's there. <laughs> yeah, the man formerly known as Emotron. Tell him people are still talking about him. I mean, this seriously probably this is in the MySpace era. Like I found him yeah. on MySpace. This is probably like two thousand. There were a lot of weird acts on MySpace maybe? back oh, in the day. Jesus yeah. Christ! But you didn't get to see him in person very much. Mm. He proceeded to kill that entire case of beer and just keep projectile vomiting into the crowd. Jesus, Christ. that was his act, and then the show was over. Did, did he get a standing ovation? Or? Uh, it was more like a running away ovation because nobody wanted to get puked on. Huh. I mean, like, okay, so if sitting down yeah. and, and, and clapping your hands is good, standing up and clapping your hands is better, mm-hmm. it seems to be that scientifically looking at it, the more activity you're putting into it the more you're appreciating it so running away is probably better than a standing ovation well let's look at it this way steve (laughs) running away is kind of like clapping with your feet yeah rebranding yeah (laughs) (laughs) bring it back (laughs) that's how emotron got through every show where he just had to he in his mind he had to do the mental gymnastics to be like i fucking killed they were clapping with their feet like crazy but he i bet he didn't ever come off like did i kill he always came off like i fucking killed and then people were like how so and then he'd be like well clapping is this uh-huh. doing it with your feet even louder so that's a win-win for me a winner is me <laughs> and them they didn't get puked on so dude i've never <laughs> seen a more painful display of forced drinking in my wow. life and this movie reminded me very much of the emotron so thanks for bringing that back, Panos. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Oh, it was so weird. It was like one of those deals where by that point, it was probably like one in the morning. And I still had like a three-hour drive home, and I was like, I feel like I should stay and watch all of this because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And we did. And here I am talking about yeah, it. Yeah, that's, like 14, uh, that is a life later. experience that I could not. It. Yeah, like there's no reason why. Like what would have happened if you left? get drunk you've done that a million times you've not seen this yeah maybe i drove home big deal <laughs> never drove home after seeing a man uh swaddle a a, a baby doll and <laughs> puke into a crowd <laughs> never drove home thinking am i still alive yeah D- was that real am i drugs am i drugs <laughs> is this a jacob's ladder situation right <laughs> it really was like that yeah, so seeing Red just pound that stuff down remind me of that. And that's also, too, I mean, honestly, legitimately, a really powerful performance Yeah, by Nicolas Cage. Like, yeah. it is so fucking raw. And, dude, it's him wearing a, a baseball shirt with a tiger on it mm-hmm. and tidy whities and tall socks. Yeah. Just looking like a dad mm-hmm. and just going through the worst moment of his entire life. And it's strangely believable in this fucking acid trip of a movie. I have something to say about that, but I just realized this movie is Metal Lisa Frank. Yeah, it is. It is is Metal Metal Lisa Lisa Frank. Frank. It even has a tiger on LSD. Tigers, moons, bright colors. I think that's Lisa Frank. There's a fucking tiger on LSD in this movie, and they just (laughs) release it into the wild. Well, because he received a telepathic message, I guess, from Nicholas Cage. I'll talk more about that. In a I can't bit. wait to hear more about that, <laughs> but, man. Yeah, he's fucking. Here's the thing: 
his wife of 14 years unexpectedly decided that she wanted a divorce right before he started shooting this movie. Oh, like real life Nick Cage. Yeah. Woof. So that like that he was channeling that in that scene. That Just because he had no idea. Like, I understand. I'm not picking a side here. Being married to Nick Cage is probably not <laughs> it's easy. Probably not easy. <laughs> and she probably thought this is very much expected, Nick. <laughs> but for you him, him it was unexpected. Yeah. Oh, yeah. bless him. Now, Mandy, I don't know the chick that that plays her. Yeah, Andrea Riceboro is, is her okay. name. Yeah, has she she's, been in anything else? She's been she's been in a number of other things, but nothing huge. I don't think she is a creative spirit. She's yeah. always drawing these amazing illustrations, uh-huh. reading fantasy novels. Right. Uh, like you said, she seems to have come from a very troubled background. She tells yeah. that story about her dad, like killing those birds in front of her. And yeah, stuff. that's fucked and, up. Yeah, it sounds like she came from a really fucked up background, but she seems to play this. This character that is full of, I think, innocence and a, a childlike kind of nature. Yeah. And you can really tell just through their dialogue that her and Nicolas Cage's character really care about each other and love each other, but it doesn't really go over the top to show us like, oh, they're having picnics together and there's no, a miniature yeah, see, pony and whatever. That's the thing about people with a troubled past is being able to sit together and just enjoy your time. Yeah. That's the big shit. It's not being off flying kites together. The big shit is to actually be comfortable mm-hmm. but when you're with somebody. And so in this case, they're this perfect couple for each other. Yeah. And so you get why she is his whole world. You get why. Like, I mean, not even like that I can't imagine someone burning my wife to death in front of me. Jesus Christ, it's so brutal. Uh, and I can't imagine the rage I would have. But I could, I could imagine wanting to do all of what he does. I could imagine that feeling. So oh, for God, me, yeah. it's just like, yeah, I, I get it. Like these two, they're best friends. They, they're, they're each other's worlds. And her character kind of comes into the movie into Jeremiah's world as this woman who he sees that he has a sudden infatuation with and she wants nothing to do with him and that enrages him because he's used to just having people bow to his whims and stuff. He plays his music and she's not impressed and pulls out his dick and she laughs and yeah, like she gives him all the opposite of what he gets from everybody else. Right. And can we take a second to appreciate how ridiculous that song is? It's terrible. She's like, and this is you singing I, this. Have you heard any <laughs> Charles Manson songs? Like, kind of like that. Kind of like that. Yeah. But they actually released the song on SoundCloud, and it no has like shit. 17 minutes of him talking about his philosophies and stuff. No way. Yeah, I got to listen to this. Holy shit. Panos Cosmatos apparently is like real big on letting the actors sort of feel out the character That's and cool. sort of decide. So, like, so Linus Roach did a whole lot to make his character what it was. Wow. So, you know, you get Panos putting in this Trump stuff and this Manson stuff, but then also Linus Roach being this guy who's like, how could you be this person and also be this ridiculous fraud? Like, how can you be like in front yeah. of everybody, this big like personality who is in control of everything and then when you walk away and you're by yourself you know you're a fraud well that's like basically every cult leader yeah you know they all know they're full of shit yeah they do but the way that her character interacts with this cult which they they identify as jesus freaks and they're all wearing crosses and stuff Mm -hmm. i think that this kind of draws into that classic story that we've seen in history and also in movies like sleepy hollow 
of the devout priest or religious leader that falls in love with a witch. Right. Okay. And is rejected and turns it into, you know, kill all witches. Yeah. These people, modern days, are called incels. That's precisely it. Yeah. Yeah. The more things change, because the more they, they fucking l- say And they have their own... Um, they have their own gospel, which is what television has told them is supposed to happen when a boy meets a girl. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, yeah. And they don't get it. Like, the thing is, like, there are incels that are good-looking dudes. You yeah. just have to realize this. Like, everybody thinks of incels as these, like, hideous guys that live in their basement and nobody would ever care about them anyway. There are incels that are good-looking dudes who just got rejected once by the... Uh, a girl who maybe was as attractive or maybe a little more attractive than him and now he thinks all women deserve to suffer because he was rejected once and that's what this is yeah that is exactly that's what he does like he's he's he needs absolute servitude from and minus devotion i mean that one chick plays damn russian roulette to prove her right uh submissiveness to him yeah you know Yeah, that character I don't get entirely because he doesn't end up killing her, and I kind of get it. Red Red spares her. Yeah, she seems she seems like maybe like she was taken at a young age and is being brainwashed, and maybe she has a chance. She seems remorseful about some of the stuff. Yeah, like she doesn't really seem to jump on board with the same vigor. Yeah, whereas all the others, the brothers, they all seem happy about it. Yeah, the gray-haired woman. Yeah, she's she's very pleased. Completely brainwashed into this whole situation. I don't know, man. I think you're. I think you caught on to something, and I'd like to see that explored more. There's like, I I think that idea of this uh, man with these very rigid principles doesn't even have to be Christian, but just rigid principles yeah his idea of reality meets up with this free spirit he's attracted to that and the free spirit because it's free rejects him right and yeah because that's he's it. rigid he can't handle that yeah yeah and also she has just that entire creative element that i think we see in yeah. creatives and witches and stuff like this yeah. where she's always doing this fantasy art reading fantasy novels and stuff and her fantasy art is a really interesting thing because you mentioned a second ago that yeah, we see later on there's like two suns or two moons. Yeah, there's like just all these heavenly what the bodies fuck's going and it's on? like this volcanic sort of landscape. Well, let's get into the LSD and I can talk about that cuz like the drug use in this, the idea seems to be that immersing yourself in these drugs brings out more of the world you start to see more mm-hmm. uh, and you start to be able to do more like for instance the chemist has this huge radio tower above his lab and he seems to be able to communicate with people who take his acid yeah through the, the through this radio tower yeah and then when nick cage is there nick cage doesn't say a single word but he's telepathically communicating with him. That is one of those things that like this time I was watching the movie and I was like, what in the fuck is going on with this scene? That is very much LSD. Very much. People do feel uh, telepathic from time to time, especially when close friends take LSD together. They will oftentimes be thinking the same thing and get in this very tight groove with one another where That's yeah we're crazy yeah so like the olsen twins like the olsen twins yeah i Damn. bet they 
I bet they when they take acid together, <laughs> That's smoke so a lot crazy. of cigarettes. Probably, Ugh, yeah. gross, <laughs> grody man. Yeah, all that stuff with uh, with the chemist is really strange, and yeah. that guy. This time when I watched the movie, I was like, oh, shit, that's that guy from fucking 31, which is a horrible movie. That is true. But he's pretty good in it. He is. But he is also Joe Chill. He killed Thomas Wayne in Batman Begins. And here he is again with Thomas Wayne, a.k.a. Working for Thomas Wayne. Working for him. so crazy, man. I, I had no idea that that was him in Batman Begins. We were talking about this before the show, and I was like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. I knew I knew that guy from somewhere when I watched him in 31. Bill Duke is good. I mean, 31's just not a good movie, I think. But he's good in it. He's, he seems God, to be good terrible. in everything yeah, that he does. Yeah, it's a terrible movie. He's Fuck. in the Three from Hell that's coming out. In, oh, in yeah. Movies. Is yeah. he really? Yeah. Well, I hope they fucking get that right. I hope they get it right, too. We'll definitely be talking about that yeah. on, a, on, a, on a future like mini-sode of the show for sure. Yeah, I hope they get that right. And he's got a he's got a tiger... Which he just decides to let free. Yeah, that actually, that's an interesting production note. Is that was supposed to be a lizard, which is why its name was Lizzie. Okay. And then whenever, whenever uh, he got there on set, what's his name again? Oh, Richard Brake. I said Bill Duke. Richard Brake. Whenever he got there on set, uh, Panos was like, um, "You know, the lizard. It's actually a tiger now." So, <laughs> like now, you're just like, "Oh, makes cool, sense." Get to. Be in a room with a fucking tiger. That'll be great. Good lord, yeah. man. Now he's the guy that makes the LSD mm-hmm. and that whole drug induced state is a huge part of this movie. And and again, as somebody who's never done any hallucinogens. He, he's making LSD without gloves, meaning he's constantly tripping. See, that's something yeah. I was gonna ask you about. Yeah. Is because yeah, like whenever he goes to the whenever Red goes to the lab, this dude is clearly tripping balls mm-hmm. and it shows him making the acid with no gloves yeah. on. And it's like you saw what even just you know, a, a, a pinky finger right. lick did to Nicolas Cage. So this guy's absorbing this shit into his pores mm-hmm. 24-7. This also might come from uh, an X-Files episode. There was an X-Files episode where uh, there's a cult leader who um, has a chemist who makes him LSD, and he, he requests for him to make it more and more pure and combine it with all these drugs until he gets to this drug that only he can take. That, like no one else can stand to be on it. Whoa! It's a pretty cool episode. I mean, it's not great, but uh, it, that concept is cool. So I, I think they took a little bit from that too. Where that's cool. Yeah. So, so there's. I think the LSD he's making at that point is just probably normal stuff because he says they say that he made that LSD to give to those black skulls, like because he hated them, like he wasn't happy with them, and it was supposed to make them have a terrible trip but instead they ended up loving it yeah i wonder if he can handle it i i assume i don't know now in the movie whenever the people are very obviously on drugs and i think probably the most noteworthy scene is the scene we're talking about where jeremiah is trying to impress mandy in the movie she is drugged by taking a you know a drop of this stuff to the eyes and then being stung with stung by a uh, lovecraftian uh, drug wasp what in the fuck that now, lives I've in a jar of oil i've never done that before but i'm a little interested <laughs> i can't say i'm not interested if anybody's got to hook up on those drop us an email <laughs> Holy shit. And that thing like lives in a jar of oil or something, yeah, I guess. It's weird. And they sting her with it. What in the fuck? Like you have to be on drugs to write that. Yeah, I would imagine that's true. That's not a thought that comes into any normal person's mind. Like no. 
the cherry on top, as they call it, will be getting stung by some huge, horrific wasp. Yeah. That, what I mean, in that's the like, fuck? It's unrelated to so many other things. We don't know, like, because the knife is bullshit. Like, because they say it's like got like it doesn't do shit he just yeah. stabs him and then he has no other effect from yeah. it yeah there is the horn of abraxas the horn of abraxas does call the but they're not demons they're regular people who've been demented by this drug it well, seems we, that we've way. got our pals scratch scabs and fuck pig <laughs> that's that's quite a band yeah of characters right there there's and a couple there's others few, there are a couple others yeah, that i didn't unnamed. see a name for yeah yeah uh, I mean, that horn does call them, but yeah. but the thing is, is that, I mean, all it takes is like 10 seconds of research into cult leaders to find out that like all of their supposed miracles and stuff they display. Yeah, for he probably just, just called bullshit. ahead and it was like, hey, meet us here. And yeah, exactly. He was like, all you right, the horn blow, I'll come play the, the hill. horn of Abraxas. And everybody was like, ooh. Well, here's the thing. Abraxas is a Santana album. Yeah. You know, so again, that might be just more of that. They're naming it the stuff that we know to prove that it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy has no power whatsoever, you know? Yeah, I mean, definitely they're not demonic. They they die. I mean, they, that one takes an arrow through the throat and doesn't seem to give too much of a shit about it. That's it could true. have not hit his windpipe, that's, I guess. Yeah, could have not hit his windpipe or any of the major arteries. He did bleed a little bit out of it. Yeah, that one bled a whole lot. Yeah. I guess that was fuck, fuck pig. pig, he's called. Yeah, so uh, there's something interesting about that house. I'm, I'm sure you noticed that they killed the wife and then fuck pig raped the husband to I death with his this time. knife dick. I noticed that this time and it was not nice. Not nice at all. Nick Cage wakes up and he's like walking through that house and yeah, he, he comes across that highly unsavory scene and I was yeah. like... Oh shit! And then yeah. the next scene, like, uh, f- fuck pig is that his name? Yeah, he's just sitting there watching porn and snorting coke. A mountain of like Scarface yeah. coke, and he's specifically watching like doggy style porn. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, oh my god, like he fucking yeah, he did that. Yeah, yeah, and there's blood all over the knife dick. Yeah. Oh god, it's so gross. Yeah, it's man. brutal. It's so gross. Yeah, that scene where Nick like cuts his fucking neck open with a box cutter, uh-huh, Steve uh-huh. Sprouting style. I'm immune to that. I've been immunized. Yeah? yeah, you've had it once. Yeah, you get it once. You can never get it again. It's like chicken box. It's like chicken box. It's got to be kind of a throat relief. cut. It's got to be kind of a relief. Really. But it might evolve. Throat cut B. <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm inoculated from throat cut A, but throat cut B. That's just it can get violent. you. It yeah. can get you anytime. You never know about that thing. But whenever she goes into the room and there's all those crazy motion trails going around mm-hmm. everything and it's yeah. like everything seems to be happening in slow mo hyper lsd so, is that i mean have you experienced shit like that oh yeah trails and stuff yeah. uh, and and when yes there was a time where uh, i think i've told this story maybe not but a friend of mine ashley i had been taking a lot of lsd and i was like you know i've never like seen outlandish shit on LSD. Yeah. And I was like, I, I think I could probably take like 15 hits of, of acid. And he Is was like, like you think so? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, how much money do you have? And I had like five bucks. And he was like, okay. And he had a vial of acid and he was like, Holy tell shit. me when and just squirted it into my mouth that night. I, yeah, I saw some shit. I mean, okay. How much do you usually, again, I don't know anything about it. No, no, no it's, a, it's like a very small dosage. Uh, so you took a lot. So I took a lot of LSD. 
He told me a story about Whoa. how his house was haunted and I could see everything he Holy was saying shit. clearly. We Whoa. were listening to Pantera and it was like, Very I fell in love with Vinnie Paul because like, the drums <laughs> were just like in my head yeah, deciding yeah, yeah. what I saw. Like It was amazing. Holy shit. Yeah. How long do you stay fucked up when you do that? Much? Well, that's the thing is LSD, like it, taking a larger dose doesn't make it last longer. It's more intense. It's more intense. Like people... Yeah, there, there's always, like, the tale of, like, SLC Punk, that kid who gets the, the sheet of acid and he runs through the sprinklers and it absorbs into his skin and he's fucked up for life. That's yeah, yeah. never happened. Like, LSD Sid can... Barrett stories, yeah. Right. LSD can cause people who have actual, like, mental illnesses... Richard Chase, for example. Right. Yeah. To, to go into a something they'll never come out of yeah it's certainly something you have to be very aware of and certain like, people shouldn't do certain people should not do it for sure but yeah and it, yeah it wasn't it was super intense super amazing fun time and then next day it was just like back done. to normal yeah wow yeah for a lot of people it's apparently very therapeutic and we're seeing yeah. a lot of medicinal benefits of so magic mushrooms and all yeah magic stuff mushrooms too. specifically but seem dude, to be helpful so rad yeah, Cal- She's getting legalized. Yeah, Denver legalized them. Fucking cool. Good. I've, Natural medicine. I've never people. wanted to move to Colorado until the past few years. I'm gonna tell you what. Colorado is pretty fucking yeah. sick. I mean, just you know, drugs and stuff notwithstanding. It's a pretty area. Colorado yeah. is pretty sick, man. It's a really, really, really. Mm. Cool and they got place. beer. Lots of beer there. Lots of beer uh-huh. out there for sure, man. Just gorgeous. Shout out, out to too. Colorado. Yeah, no doubt. Y'all are cool. Send us some beer. It's Colorado, they oh, say. Sorry, they're sorry. mad at us. And eh, we're from the south. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how how accurate does this movie make you feel to like being on real shit? Because this movie, to me, man, is so unrelentingly weird and trippy that it's like it doesn't let you feel like you're in any normal state of sobriety just it is, watching the movie. It is very clear this is this is something that uh, I imagine Panos Cosmatos just did LSD as he was working on it to try to capture that feeling. He had to have. Yeah, because he does a really good job of capturing it. Wow. It's I mean, it's intense, but I've had intense trips like that where it's just dark the whole night and nothing ever gets light and funny, but it's still fun. Does the passage of time become effective? Yeah, time dilation is, is a, that's a thing, very huh? common, especially when you, you start feeling like you're tripping uh you'll hear a lot of people say like what time like how long has this been they do that in midsummer too yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah see that's the thing man is this movie spends so much time in slow mo uh-huh. and the characters talk so slow. slowly mm-hmm. always and it's the kind of thing where you know if you look over my notes it's like Every other line in my notes is slow-mo, and then there's slow-mo. This scene is in Mm slow-mo, more slow motion. But it's the kind of thing where, as somebody who's never done any hallucinogens, it's like almost frustrating at times to watch, because you're like, why is this going so slowly? Yeah. But then, from what you're telling me, it's like, that's because that's what being on drugs feels like. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah, there's distortion of time. They're really going for that, like... And yeah, I think this movie has a reverential sort of feeling toward LSD and hallucinogens in general. Well, it's definitely not out to like make drugs as the bad guy or no. like this cult is bad because they do drugs. No, it's like, because well, Nicolas Cage does yeah, all does the same all drugs, the drugs and he's the hero. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think that it's out to kind of demonize drugs and altered yeah. states of any kind. I think it's just it's saying, and this is, I think, true of hallucinogens, is that 
hallucinogens will strip you down to who you are. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And if who you are is an absolute fuck pig, that's what you become. <laughs> right. And if who you are is a good person in general, that's what you become. And so, yeah, some people, when stripped down, are monsters and terrible and want to inflict pain on others. And some people just want to live a normal, happy life. Yeah, that's that's cool, and that makes sense too when you, when you look at it that way. Because as I was watching the movie, just you know, with, with critical review goggles on, uh-huh. there were I can't lie, I, I do think this movie's amazing, but there were a lot of times where I was like, "Can too this slow. not move yeah. on?" And I love slow burn movies, yeah. dude. Like everybody that listens to the show knows, like The Shining, Rosemary's Baby, House yeah. of the Devil, The Witch, uh, Black Coast Starter. Like all those mm-hmm. are my favorites, and all they're slow very burns, yeah. very slow movies. But there's times in this where it's like. It's literally slow. It's literally slow. Yeah, like I there's mean, nothing in slow happening in any amount of speed. Yeah. yeah like having a, a crazy action shot in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I can see what's going on and really savor this moment that would just go by in a second otherwise. Yeah. And then there's parts where it's just like, this is just dialogue between characters. Why is it in slow motion? <laughs> like, oh my God. There yeah. are moments where it is frustratingly slow. And, yeah. and there's even just... Uh, again, frankly, just because we're being critical, there's a lot of just downtime. Like, there's that mm-hmm. scene where the guys with the horn of Abraxas are waiting for the black skulls to show up, and the guy that has the mullet rolls his window up and down yeah. twice in a row. Why? Why? Yeah, that's a good Why? Question. You know, it's like, it's the kind of thing where it's like, does it make you feel like you're on drugs and time is distorted? Yeah. Does it make it fun to watch? No. no. It doesn't add to the enjoyment. It no. is a, it's a two hour movie. Mm-hmm. It I, probably could be cut. Hour 45? I think very easily. I think that saying this could be an hour 50 would Mm. be effortless. I think saying that this is potentially an hour 30 movie is feasible. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible. Because what it kind of reminded me of, honestly, it's kind of like having an edible. Uh Where like when you have an edible and it kicks in and you're like, wow, this is really, really cool. And then about four or five hours on, you're just kind of like... Okay, I wish I could get back to normal right now. <laughs> like, when is this going to wear off? This is just happening and not, not ending, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You reach that point where you're like, I guess I'm just stuck this way for a long time. <laughs> where kind of the fun of being fucked up kind of wears off right? a little bit. Again, that might sound like I'm really cracking down hard in this movie, but do you get what I mean? Yeah, I get what you mean. Because, God yeah. damn, man, it's like there are moments where this does just become frustratingly yeah. slow. Though, uh, I would say none of those moments are the animated moments. What the fuck? The animated parts. It's so cool. It's so heavy metal. Yeah, like so heavy metal. Yeah. And then, of course, the Cheddar Goblin. The fucking Cheddar Goblin. <sighs> ben, what in the this fuck? This is one of my favorite things to have happened in a while. The Agreed. Cheddar Goblin. The Cheddar Goblin commercial is directed by the director of Too Many Cooks, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen no in my life. No way. Yeah. That guy did the Cheddar the Goblin The guy commercial. who designed Smarf designed the Cheddar Goblin. Holy shit. <laughs> yes. So... I did they, not know that. And they, they, they took a lot of pain to make sure that it's 1983 appropriate. So the yeah. kids are wearing the right clothes for the period. The kitchen is what a kitchen would look like in 1983. It looks like a shitty early 80s commercial. And then you got the Cheddar Goblin, which is inspired. He's, he said inspired by Ghoulies, 
The ghoulie on the Absolutely. cover. Absolutely. It does look like the uh-huh. ghoulie. Holy shit. Again, going back to the VHS uh-huh. covers. And then Yoda and Satan. <laughs> <laughs> That's precisely what the Cheddar yeah. Goblin looks like. That is the most accurate description and possible. Apparently, those kids were getting uh, macaroni and cheese vomited on them for six hours. <laughs> and the fact that they chose to interject that commercial at the most inopportune like yeah it's the lowest moment for him and yeah he comes inside after he's watched his wife be burned in front of him and blow away like fucking ash in terminator Mm -hmm. 2 yeah and he goes inside and on the tv that they were just watching together before all this shit happened there's the fucking cheddar goblin commercial and he, he stands there and we're with him in this moment and he goes, Cheddar Goblin. Mm-hmm. And he's just watching this commercial. And we know it's not like a hallucination or anything because when they show the store earlier where Mandy works, Cheddar Goblin is on the shelves. Right. Yeah. So it's a real thing it's in a the part world. part of that world. And that's, that's what it does. It serves a few purposes. One is a palate cleanser. We just watched a, a man watch his wife get burned to death alive in front of him. Yeah. You can't go past that so you got to go back down you got to get us to a level where we can get the action going back up but what it also does is it it takes that world he was living in before and it makes it ridiculous Mm -hmm. like suddenly like knowing the evil of the world he he realizes that the few brief moments that he mandy had where they weren't you know dealing with the shit from their previous life that it was it was ridiculous in some ways that the world yeah. is too brutal for that to exist yeah so it's all just absurd and so the cheddar goblin thing is just absurdity at its finest and it reminds him of how absurd he was ever to believe that the world would let him be happy with Mandy. Right. Or like, this is how simple my world used to be. Yeah. I used to watch commercials for Cheddar Goblin. And not think a thing about it. And now I've just watched my wife be burned to death in front uh-huh. of me. And now I'm back to Cheddar Goblin. Cheddar Goblin. Yeah. The fact that they actually made that shit is hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah. There's some good gore and stuff in this movie. Some great special effects. Uh, I think the CGI and stuff is mainly used just for those very surreal, strange mm. landscapes and stuff. Yeah. And a lot of the, a lot of the, the, what of the way they flow the edits together seems to have like some computer, maybe not like anything. some of it I think is practical. Like the yeah, dual exposure of Mandy and Jeremiah's face on top yeah. of each other. That's something you could do. With and film. and they, apparently they also used the technique. I can't remember what it was called, but they, where you shine an led light directly down the barrel of the camera. And it adds like this cloudy effect to everything oh. and it makes it kind of just, you know, fuzzy. They use that a good bit throughout. So huh. some of the things that may look CGI are still practical. Yeah. I like a lot of the gore in this is sort of played with a bit of humor. Like I said, we got him cutting that, that, that Cenobite black skull guy's throat and it uh-huh. shooting blood all over his face. And I love <laughs> how he doesn't even wipe the blood off his face. Or no, he's he got it the rest of the movie. <laughs> There's that part later where he, he sets one of them on fire, chops the head off, and then like lights a cigarette off of the severed off head. The severed. Which is such an Ash move. Yes, it is. Yeah. Like Ash would totally do that. Like once you know that that was an influence, you see it and you're like, oh yeah, that could totally yeah, like fit in. If, Evil if Dead. he had said groovy at that moment, that would have been, been it. Yeah, right? it would have been appropriate. Man. Yeah. And then later on, he like chops the. Uh, 
the the silver haired chicks like head off and throws uh-huh. it in there at Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah's like, God is in here, do not enter, and he just like rolls that head in. He's uh-huh. like, Oh hi. Oh hi. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool scene too, because the like the light is flashing and they use that as like a way to cut from uh from Jeremiah to to red. So like the light will flash and yeah, it'll be cool. dark and it's on comes back on Jeremiah then it'll go dark again it comes back on red each time it just back and forth on Yeah, the, dude. It's, it's cool. really rad. And then of course we got that whole moment where <laughs> Jeremiah is just instantly yeah. just pathetic. Yes, he goes through some of the stages of grief there too, because he he's instantly pathetic. But then he, I guess he tries it's like, like I bow before no one. Yeah, now I'll try the I'm angry method, and that's not working. Uh, maybe I'll bargain with him. I'll maybe suck you'll, your dick. Maybe you'll get your head smashed in with yeah, my hands, maybe, and his maybe. eye like shoots out and yeah, stuff. And I love how B movie that like it, totally. It doesn't look great. It looks but it's almost, not supposed to. Honestly, it looks a lot like that part in Friday the 13th Part 3. Yes, when the eye pops out. Which you know had to be yeah. a direct influence on yeah. this. You know, knowing everything that we do about his influences yeah. on this movie, he had to be thinking of that. Yeah, and he, he's proud of that. I mean, like, the if you see the... Uh, from In the behind the scenes, they show where the that biker is on fire and then he cuts his head off mm-hmm. and it looks just like a paper mache biker awesome. with like just a real cheap head that squirts out blood like it's not they didn't go all out yeah they like just 80s showed level. it quickly yeah yeah 80s level special effects mm-hmm. now i will say though that the ending of the movie where a lot of the gore and stuff is i do think it could have been a bit more climactic i think yeah. that we've had a lot of this build up of like these black skulls being this ultimate badass, Jeremiah Sand being this possibly supernatural threat, mm. and then Nicolas Cage armed with a crossbow and, and an a, axe, a battle axe he forged himself, <laughs> yeah, chrome battle axe, yeah. one piece chrome axe that's designed to look like the F in the Celtic Frost yeah, logo. Yeah, logo. There you go. So fucking metal, dude. He kind of dispatches everybody pretty effortlessly. Uh, aside from the chainsaw, chainsaw fight puts fight, up a little bit of difficulty the, for him. The scratch, I believe, was the guy he was shot through the neck and then had a knife fight with. Yeah, that was a bit of a fight. I, I don't know. I mean, fuck pig wasn't easy, mm-hmm. though it wasn't a long battle. Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe yeah, a little control. bit more action and a little less of the slow mo bits. Yeah, yeah. I just would have liked to have seen a little more struggle, like, oh mm, no, they're getting the upper fight. hand. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, a lot of them, he just kind of like, he like snipes a few of them. He yeah. throws a battle axe at one into his head. Mm. And, you know, it's like a lot of them just kind of, yeah, just kind of tumble. I wouldn't have minded no, I to see think more that's supposed. Up. To, I think that's supposed to eliminate in our minds the idea that they are actually demons. That they're just okay. people. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Again, just uh, elaborating that this is all bullshit. Yeah, it's all right? bullshit. They're they're terrible people for sure, but they're not inhuman. It is a it is a unique movie. Yeah. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. I think that whether you love it or not, and it seems like the majority of the horror community has has fucking loved. Yeah, people who really movie. embrace it. Yeah. There are some people that just absolutely hate it, mm. and. I can I can understand why. I mean, I can understand. I mean, the complaints I've been talking about, where it's just like, God, there's so much stuff that's it's just slow. so yeah. slow on purpose. 
and it's just so fucking Strange. weird. Yeah. Uh-huh. And maybe some people just crave something with a little bit more depth of story and stuff to it. Or less. Yeah. Because <laughs> when I hear some people's favorite horror movies, I'm like, oh, so you just like and strings of kills with like the barest minimum of uh, story to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's, uh, there's there's horror films out yeah. there with less story than this for yeah. sure. You know, yeah, that's very true. And a lot of them are adored jewels of the horror crowd. Yeah, and they're fun to watch. But th- I think this in in general is is also just a good movie. Like even if you're not a horror fan, I think this if you're if you like action and you like just craziness of Nick Cage, this brings it. Yeah, like if you like Con Air, I don't see how you're not gonna like this movie. <laughs> that is an interesting parallel to draw, but it's like, yeah, if you're watching it to see Nick Cage be fucking crazy, this movie sure does have yeah. a lot of that. See Nick Cage be crazy and kill a lot of bad people, which is what happens in Con Air. Yeah, like, like which movie are you talking about then? Yeah, or Con Air. Con Air, man. <laughs> That's true, man. Yeah, I think that if you're a fan of of metal, especially late seventies, early eighties stuff, weird, trippy, proggy stuff like uh-huh. King Crimson and Camel and all those the those heavy other metal kind of cartoons. Bands. Yeah, I yeah. think that you're probably going to like this movie. Mm-hmm. I think if you like Argento flicks, yeah, I think that you'll like this. That. You know, where it's just like it's just so strongly audio and visual, uh-huh. not so much really on characters, dialogue. Yeah. There, I, I bet seriously, there are probably thirty pages of dialogue in this movie, yeah. if that, if that, yeah. if that. There's barely any dialogue. I in get this movie. the feeling some of the dialogue was probably cut on set because I, I think like. I think just Nicolas Cage, maybe even in that telepathy scene, I kept thinking like, I feel like there was probably a line there and Nick Cage was like, no, it'd be better if I don't say it. Yeah, right. <laughs> it'd be better if it's telepathy. Yeah. Yeah. And people on set were tripping balls. So they're like, makes sense. Fuck yes. Let's go with it. Are we going to release this tiger into the woods or what? <laughs> yes. Let it go and film it. <laughs> but, you know, I think that whether you like it or not, I, I don't think that Anybody can argue that it is not directed with an incredible amount of imagination right. and visual flair. And I don't know, man. It's just such a unique flick. Mm-hmm. I can't really compare it to, to much anything. It has influences. It has that weird... Oh, yeah. We've said a few numbers of things, but yeah. not one of them really encapsulates what it is. Yeah. yeah. I can even feel a little bit of that just like dreamlike phantasm feel. Yeah, I can see that. movie, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's just like, this doesn't really make sense, but I guess I'll go with it. Uh You know, I think there's a bit of that. Actually, now that you mentioned it, Phantasm does have... mm Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there's a lot of stuff in that movie that's just like, I don't know what this fucking is. They're not explaining it. Whatever. There's dwarves from Uh Mars or something. I don't know. (laughs) You got any final thoughts, closing statements about this flick, Steve? Mandy is... A fucking blast for me. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoy it. I love Nick Cage in this movie. It's awesome. I love all the choices that are being made. It, you're right. It probably could have been a little bit quicker. I think I think Panos Cosmatos is probably not thinking of making blockbuster movies. He's thinking no. of making movies that when you see them at Sundance or something, you go, what the fuck? So he would probably disagree that it's a little too slow. But as just fans of horror movies and action movies and, and Nick Cage, I think it would I think a little pickup on the pace would make it 
10 times more fun, perhaps. I think so. Yeah. It, it's one of those deals where I'm like, you know, a lot of times we have these little critiques about movies, and I'm like, yeah, you could do it, but would it make the movie better? And we're like, yeah, not really. Yeah. But I in think this case, this movie, it might improve I it. I think yeah. that it could. Yeah. I, I do think that it could. I think that if this clocked in, like, I mean, like I said, dude, like an hour and 35 or 40 of this immense fucking acid trip of a movie... Yeah. That's enough for me personally. Yeah. You know, two hours is like, okay, it's a little much. Casting is awesome in this. Yeah, dude. Nick Cage is undeniable. Bill Duke from from Predator. Yeah, dude. Richard Brake is awesome. Linus Roach. Andrew Riceboro does such a great job of playing an otherworldly type of character. Mm-hmm. You never really get a hold of what she is and no. why. Like when he's, you know killed the cult leader he starts having that sort of fantasy of remembering when he met her in the bar oh which and is when so they cool. see each other it's just this like immediate spark and they haven't even talked so there's like an otherworldly character to her and she plays it so well i i don't know i i, I have little to complain about with this movie yeah i get i get the time stuff i get maybe I guess maybe that people who haven't had experience with hallucinogens might not find it as interesting because they're they're not familiar with that, and it just seems like it seems like you're being surreal for no reason. Yeah, but that's the, that's how I felt at, yeah. at points in this. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I think it does encapsulate those actual feelings okay. pretty well. So for me, man, this is a nine. Yeah, go Mandy. I can uh, I can back that 100%. It is an extremely fucking unique movie. Like I said, the, vi- the visuals in this movie are a 20 out of 10. Yeah. If you just like looking at things that look sick, or maybe you like getting, you know, pretty fucking trill, twisted, maybe getting leveled out. Oh, shit. You know? Get leveled out and watch this movie? That'd be a fucking trill. That'd be an intense time, for sure. And it'd probably be pretty amazing. But yeah, oh, for sure. It'd be better than watching Mystic Pizza again. Again finally yeah. getting around to it finally I, I did watch mystic pizza not longer yeah? yeah how was it it's fine yeah yeah i mean i get why people liked it in the 80s but i think that if you're okay with watching a movie that is more style than substance because mm-hmm. this definitely is more style than substance yeah. you know no the only substance is revenge yeah yeah and that's fine yeah. i think that if this movie was a bit more succinct and did maybe reel in uh, Panos's desire to make this just a non-stop trip of mm-hmm. a movie. I think that if they probably could have got the runtime down to yeah maybe an hour forty, I think that this movie would probably be like a like a you know nine and a half for me. Mm. I think that as it is, with it feeling in my opinion a bit gratuitously slow and drug out, literally. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I think that this is probably a I'm going to say like a an eight for me. All right. You know, it's one yeah. of those ones that I'm not going to like watch endlessly over and over and over forever. Mm. But it's one of those that I think once every couple of years, I'll bust it out and be like, man, that is a fucking rad. It seems movie. like one to turn on at your Halloween party That's when it's it. getting yeah. late. And people are like, what the fuck is yeah. this? <laughs> it's Nicolas Cage. <laughs> you know? So cool, man. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's fun talking about it. And uh, yeah, definitely recommend checking this one out. For sure. Now, before we announce what we're going to be talking about next time on the show, Steve, we need to tell these people how to give us their money. You give us your money. We need your dollar papers. It is true. 
patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. That's got right. a few tiers over there. Uh, if you select the $5 tier, you can suggest a movie and we do a random drawing. We'll be doing one in a couple weeks that we will you can drive the car yeah so so far we've we've covered i don't know like five or yeah a whole bunch of them yeah so gobs of of them a lot of our patrons have been choosing what we watch lately yeah so it's been popular our alien episode was very popular there you go thanks a lot guys yeah thank you guys so much for all the support and stuff you guys are better than we deserve and uh, yeah, you guys be sure to go over there and drop us some support if you enjoy what we do. Also, if you enjoy what we do, be sure to rate and review on iTunes. Do, 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 do. I say it all the time. I want more reviews coming in from you guys. Mm-hmm. Helps us a lot. We talked recently about how we're like on the top yeah. 50. Yeah, it's crazy. On iTunes for like film and TV. Yeah. That's fucking sick. I, I was very surprised to see that. Yeah. And um I'm not, dude. With the fucking chance. I mean, yeah. That's on, honestly, yeah. We we do create a good show. I, <laughs> so helping us out with those reviews and stuff really does bring us onto those charts and lists and search engines and stuff a lot more. So be sure to rate and review on your podcast app of choice. Now, Steve, what are we going to be talking about next week? On well, the next installment of Dead and Lovely. You know, we keep covering these Stephen King movies. We do. And there's we, a lot of them. We're not even close to running out. No. But this one is a goddamn winner. Yeah, it that's right. Chapter one. Yeah. Yeah. Just in time, we got it. Chapter two coming out soon. Yeah. It's uh, apparently a monolith. <laughs> yeah, of almost a movie. three hours. That's a big old movie right yeah. there. That's I a mean, big th- old one. this first one I think was was a close to two and a half. I think so. I mean, it yeah. didn't seem to drag too didn't much drag to for me. me. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to watching it again. I watched it's it. It's just a huge book. I mean, it's yeah, a thing. It's gigantic, yeah, gigantic. Yeah, and I'm sure I've not read the book, but I'm sure that it doesn't even cover half of what's yeah. in the book you know There's i don't so think they're doing the, the whole like weird turtle yeah stuff i don't know how there. i don't know how they would after not addressing it all in the first one yeah but it would be cool i i hope so i hope they go totally balls deep and just whacked out of shit yeah it'd be fun to see mm-hmm. you know so we'll find out soon enough we'll be talking about it part one next week in the meantime maybe if you guys are like big fans of the og we did a review of the it miniseries yes we did uh, that was a while back yeah that years was so ago i think it's when it part one came out yeah 2017 yeah. so a couple of years ago so you guys be sure and scroll through those back episodes give that one a listen it's a uh, it's a fun yeah, it fun is. episode so be sure to check that thing out so you guys have been amazing. You all can get in touch with us on the internet, follow us on the social media and uh-huh. stuff, and continue being amazing. Where can they do that, Steve? At Dead Lovely Pod on Instagram and oh, Twitter. Don't say. Uh, we got a Facebook group. Oh, Facebook, it, Dead and Lovely Horror Movie Podcast. Oh, blah blah blah. Oh. Um, we got a Discord. I've posted the Discord link on the Facebook group. Go check that out. We also have an email address. Oh, you don't say. Dead and Lovely Pod at gmail.com. If you want to email us, uh, tell us. But whatever you want to tell us. I don't know. We get emails all the time. Most of it is people being really nice and wanting to uh, help out in any way they can. Sometimes it's people being like, hey, uh, you want to swap dick pics? Mm. And I'm like, of course. Yeah, of course. And it's really fun because I have like the best dick pics. Yeah, yeah. I got a John Holmes. You oh want one God. of them? I got this, this rare packing. John Holmes. Wow. It's like yeah. baseball cards, but it's like yeah. dick pic cards. Yeah, that's... 
That's what I assume. I think that's a pretty good idea. They keep sending me t- dicks that are just not impressive. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what about this one? Well, you guys be sure to stay in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback on the show. Suggest us some movies, and uh, we'll give you an address to send us some beers. Yes, we If you want us to try the beers of your local county. So you guys be sure to stay in touch with us there. Well, anyway, you guys have been absolutely lovely. We have been dead and lovely. Is yeah, I think works? so. I, I think, think I phrased that wrong. We're not alive. I think I said that's that. for sure. Well, regardless, we've been Uncle Ben. <laughs> Hollywood Zoo. And we are dead and lovely. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace out. Goodbye. Everybody know. Every rose has its thorns. Yes, it does. Just like every night has its dawn. And that's all I'm going to sing because of copyright stuff. <laughs> and I don't want to get sued. No. I think Brett Michael seems like one of the shittier hair metal frontmen of all time. Yeah. I'd say that's about right. Yeah. Vince He's Neil way up there. seemed like a real piece of shit, too. Yeah. Uh, that Axl Rose, <laughs> not known for not being a piece of shit. Yeah, generally known for being just kind of an yeah. ass wipe in general. A and David Lee Roth. Being, I bet mm. being a part of that scene fucking sucked. You know, without a cell phone and all that time on tour, pretty much all you have time to do is be an asshole 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> it just sucked. That's the thing is like whenever people, you know, talk about those days of rock stardom and how everybody was just doing drugs all day and like yeah. banging groupies all the time and stuff like this, it's like, dude, that's because when you're on tour... You have all day, you work for, you know, an hour, uh-huh. you know, when you're on stage and then the rest of the day, you are just bored Yep. and everybody will give you anything you want. I think anybody would be an asshole under those circumstances. I seriously like, Sounds I like think Donald that, Trump. Yeah. It's kind of like that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>